You're listening to Thunder Quack Podcast Network. Welcome back to Force Perspectives. I am your host, Michael Cohen, and joining me as always, the illustrious Joe Hogan. Hey boy, how you doing? How you feeling? You sound you sound significantly better than the last time we spoke. Yeah, yeah. When we when we recorded uh, uh, Perfect Ten uh, last week, I was a little rough. I was a little mm-hmm. rough. I, mm-hmm. I am still I am still coming through this cold. Um, the funny thing is I recorded two perfect tens last week. So I recorded our, our most recent episode that is now out for everybody, um, on podcast services where we talk about, uh, the, the insomniac Marvel Spider-Man video game series. So go listen to Joe and I talk about that. If you care about that, I guess. Um, but I also then recorded on Friday with, with, uh, Danielle uh, to talk about, uh, Batman returns, which will be the one that we release on Christmas day. So um, and that one that because Christmas is uh, uh, Christmas Day is the Tuesday, right? I think I think that's right. No, it's the Monday. Yeah. So Monday. Um, normally, normally with Perfect Ten, we do an early release. As a matter of fact, we've started doing that with these monthly episodes of Force Perspectives. It's an early release on like kind of it depends on it depends on what my schedule looks like. But Tuesday morning at the latest, but sometimes Monday night. Um, you guys you might get it a little bit early, early, uh, if you're over on our Patreon at patreon.com slash thunderquack. So you can get the episode early there. Um, and then it comes and then it releases wide to everybody else on the Friday. Um, but I, I, we do the same thing with perfect 10, but because it's Christmas, I'm just, we're just releasing it on Christmas day. Cause it's like, here, just yeah, go it. listen to Christmas. go listen to Batman returns. But I, yeah. Um, I, but, but here we're here to talk about some star Wars. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, I, I guess I was saying that on that Batman returns one, I, I'm also, I also sound sick. So I'm going to sound sick all month to everybody, but uh, <laughs> hopefully by but, the end of the, by the time Christmas actually rolls around, you'll sound like a human being Yeah, in real life. Yeah. yeah. Well, next week, next week we're, we'll, we'll do, I, I, I'm, 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 I'm having a crisis right now because like we kind of, we recorded that first episode and called it Thunderquack monthly on the episode, right? Because I was like, so we're going to put out an episode of Thunderquack on a monthly basis because Joe and I just wanted to talk about Ghostbusters. Um, so so I created a new podcast for it. And then after that, I, I renamed it to After the Fact. And now I'm just like, we should just call it the Thunderquack podcast. So like, it doesn't need a, I don't think that it needs like a another name, but um, but then I'm also like, does the Thunderquack podcast mean anything to anybody? Should we just come up with a completely different name for it? And I don't know. I have no idea, Joe. But we have a week to figure it out because we'll record next week. All right. <laughs> I'll put my thinking cap on. <laughs> yeah. Um, we're gonna, On that one, we're going to talk about the Game Awards, right? So Yeah. I'm very excited. Um, very excited yeah, about that. Yeah. But here, we're going to talk about 
we're going to talk about Star Wars. Also excited. Uh, in 2024. So that's that's kind of the, the 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 broad topic for this episode. We're going to look at the stuff that we know is coming, the stuff that might be coming as well as as some of the stuff that might be going into production um over the course of the next I guess 12 months, right? 13 months. We're yeah. at the beginning yeah. of December. So let's say 13 months, but we're, we're basically in 2024 already anyway. <clears throat> yeah, pretty much. Difference. Uh, yeah, I mean yeah, December is the Friday of of the year, right? It's the like the Friday month exactly. of the year. Like yeah. nobody's doing any work right now, right? Exactly. Uh, uh, awesome. Uh, let's let's jump into the the stuff that we know is coming, right? Um, and and first and foremost, I think uh, that we'll, we'll probably be getting sounds like probably in January or February. I expect that actually we might get a press release within the next week or so to let us know um, is bad batch season three, Let's the final go. season of bad batch. Let's go. Yeah. So um, if you, if you don't know, if you've only listened to force perspectives, I don't know how you would know, would not know this, <laughs> but Joe and I, along with uh, Kyle Avery uh, over on rebel cells have covered every episode of bad batch thus far. Um, and we'll continue to cover into season three and then whatever the next animated project is, which I have some ideas on what that's probably going to be. But uh, I, yeah, Bad Batch coming out. I mean, I it'll be Q1 for sure. Mm. Um, I expect it'll be it'll be like first or second week of February at the latest, um, just because like it's been now. I mean, it's been about about a month since Ahsoka finished. Yeah, right. Okay. A little bit more, maybe. Um, <clears throat> and so I, uh, you know, like there hasn't been anything new Star Wars on the, uh, on the old Disney plus in a little while. So I'm sure that they are, that they are champing at the bit to, to get that back up there. Not that they ever promote bad batch. Um, they just kind of let it sit on Disney plus, um, despite the fact that it is a fantastic show for those of you who are not watching. If you're just a live action person and you don't watch any of the animated stuff, a that's dumb. And you're missing out on literally the best star Wars content. Like literally the best, like, like, I mean, I said a lot of really great things about Ahsoka and I stand by that. And I think that Ahsoka is the best live action series that we've gotten so far, but like star Wars rebels, when it's at its height, like the, the peaks of that, the peaks of Clone Wars, uh, uh, and now Bad Batch, like do Tales of the Jedi. Like, like if you're not watching the animated content, you are missing out on the best Star Wars has to offer as far <laughs> as I'm concerned. So, um, what do you think? Are you, are you excited for the final season of Bad Batch, Joe? Uh, I'm excited for the final season. I'm not excited mm-hmm. that it is the final season. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. but obviously all of these things that have been, you know, all this, very deliberate groundwork that has been laid out for the last two seasons. It's going somewhere. It's building. And uh, I'm looking forward to seeing how it boils over. Who survives? Hopefully yeah. everyone. It won't be everyone. But uh, that's, we'll see. We'll see how it's going to go. And I am very, very excited. Yeah. it's um, it. I mean, Bad Batch has been uh, a very pleasant surprise yeah. all throughout. Um, and then going into it. I was a little bit like, and, and the, the the general consensus on Bad Batch was like, who is this for? Like, who who asked for for these characters specifically? Right? Like, um, they they made their debut in the final season of Clone Wars, 
Uh, and, uh, and there was a little bit, I think, I think even like, especially with us, there's a little bit of a sentiment of the clone commandos already exist. Like, why did, why are we, why are we recreating them as these characters? Right. Um, why not just use like the Republic commando model to, to, to build out these characters. But, but George wanted to do something slightly different with the bad batch characters with them being genetically modified. And so that was, that was something that Dave felt very strongly about finishing. Right. Um, in, in terms of like finishing the clone wars, um, is this is one of the funniest things whenever we talk about clone wars stuff and people, uh, people attribute so much of it to Dave Filoni, who, by the way, since the last time we recorded has been, uh, named the, what is he the chief creative officer or yes. something? Yes. Yeah. I, I, Woo-hoo! nothing will change. Um, <laughs> it will, it will literally affect nothing. It's a, it's a title, but that's fine. Um, just means he's getting paid a lot of money. Good. Good for him. Get paid. Yeah. Oh no, absolutely. He deserves it. But, uh, but there's this attitude that like, oh my God, everything in the clone wars that's great is Dave Filoni. And it's like, it, I, I, <clears throat> I will not stand for the George Lucas erasure of that. <laughs> like George broke all of those stories yeah. with those writers. Every, like every single season, even season seven, like all of that stuff was while it was all it like, like the original concepts for all of those characters, storylines, arcs, all of that was while Lucasfilm animation was still under George. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and so he was integral to all of that. Um, and characters like the bad batch were, were absolutely, I mean, like Dave Filoni has his fingerprints all over it and is, is also responsible, but I just, I just hate that there's like this, this sort of narrative about Dave that like a, he's like a Messiah of some kind that he just like emerged (laughs) out of nowhere with all of these ability, like this ability to make perfect star Wars. And it's like, first of all, he doesn't make perfect star Wars. He makes very, very, very good star Wars. Um, and he, and it's not, actually that consistent <laughs> it's i uh, i he he makes some of the best star wars that's been made but it's uh, it's in amongst some of the star wars that i just would like to skip over um rebels is my favorite star wars thing ever right like i love rebels so much there are some episodes of rebels where i'm like i don't need to i really don't need to revisit puffer pigs um <laughs> It's fun. Like there's nothing wrong with the episode. It's just like I think I can. I think I can gloss over this one. If it weren't for Lando, it would. It it wouldn't even register, right? Um, but I. Uh, but but just there's sort of just this this attitude that he's like, he's 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 holy, in some way, and it's like guys, like George George is the one who brought back Darth Maul, right? And and he did it with the intent of eventually in the sequels, Darth Maul will be the bad guy, right? That was, that was the original plan, which is wild to me. I would, man, I really hope that one day they make like a comic book or something out of that, uh, that, that story treatment. Cause I, yeah. Uh, Wait, uh, Adam, which, which story treatment? Yeah. The, what the, the story treatments for, for George's ideas for the sequels. Cause he had, oh, he, yes, okay, he had yeah. like plotted them out. Right. right? And, yeah. um, and then they just like disregarded them almost entirely yeah. uh, when they, when they made the sequels. 
um, which is fine. Like, I also think that that's totally valid. It's like you, you sold the company and Disney has goals uh, and, and bring back Darth Maul was not one of them. Um, and, and to be honest, Ray Park kind of got himself into some hot water. Very, uh, right. uh, not that, not that long ago. And uh, so it would have been, it would have been problematic, I think, uh, <laughs> to, to continue with that character. Uh, but I, uh, um, not that you couldn't have recast him because he's an old man and he would have been an old man in the sequels. But, <clears throat> um, but yeah, like, like the, this, uh, the, just, just the whole idea that, that Dave is the only one capable. And it's like, Dave has very little to do with bad batch. Um, uh, the Brad Rao and Jennifer Corbett are, are the showrunners and, uh, and they've done such a phenomenal job of actually giving these characters life. Like they are, they are so well-rounded um, and, and so realized uh, throughout the course of the series. It, it's, it, I think that that is probably the thing that shocked us the most. Right. I think we, we kind of yeah. thought we knew what we were getting going into it. And then it turned out like, Oh no, this is like, this is like a real story about like these guys trying to figure out, you know, where they fit in the galaxy post-war. Right. And, uh, uh, and then, and then they start developing the stormtrooper program stuff in, alongside this storyline. And, uh, you know, like we see like Mount Tantus and, and I, uh, I, yeah, like, like just ridiculous stuff likely tying into rise of Skywalker Sith secrets, cloning, yada, yada, yada. Um, trying to, trying to retcon and fix that stuff. Um, it's, uh, it's been awesome, but I mean, like, like the number one thing I think we need from the next season is closure on tech, right? <laughs> we need to know, no, like maybe, maybe I, that's your number one thing. That's not my number one thing. No, what's your number one thing? I need to know where the hell the rest of uh, Delta Squad is, because why is Sev running around by himself? Where's Boss? Where's Fixer? Whatever happened to Sev? That's what I need to know. Yeah, Scorch, Scorch is running around by himself. What did I say? Uh, Sev's running yeah, you around? You said Sev, but yeah. yeah. Scorch, Scorch yeah. is running where around. Where is Sev? That is, yeah. like, that is really like the big question is where is Sev, right? Because that's how Republic Commando ends, and you're like, oh no. And that thread has been dangling since 2005. Yeah, it was uh, right before Revenge yeah. of the Sith came out. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I know. It's but, not canon uh, anymore. I don't care. I want to know it, 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 where's Sev. Is he safe? Is he all right? <laughs> that's it. Yeah. That's where I'm at. Um, okay. That's fair. Uh, <laughs> I care about the characters that are actually on the show, but that's fine. That must be um, nice. <laughs> <laughs> I uh, so yeah I I expect that it'll be a great season. Yeah. Um, I last year with season I, I guess earlier this year with season two, it was a little bit of a slow burn at the beginning, but then like about midway through the season, it like cranked up mm-hmm. and was some of the best animated Star Wars that we've gotten. I mean, like the, there there are, there are a couple of episodes in there especially the one that sort of centers on, on tech that, uh, that are just like stellar examples of, of um, how important and how good star Wars can really be. Um, and, 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 uh, and how it can hopefully, you know, uh, change people's 
perspectives on things and and uh, and and make the world a better place which is you know i think one of the goals that george had when he told his stories right he wanted he wanted morality tales he wanted fairy tales for um for a new generation in in an era where there really wasn't a lot of that happening right mm. in the 70s everything was kind of bleak and you know uh, i gritty and and realism was, had taken over and he was like what happened to uh kids stories <laughs> and and that's where star wars really came from so um yeah like like bad batch i think of all of the stuff that's that's been coming out recently i think that bad batch like it hits that really really well like it it it, it hits that specific note of like I mean, like some people are going to call it woke Star Wars, I guess. As far as I'm concerned, that's redundant, right? Like, <laughs> right. Woke Star Wars. Um, You mean the movie that was an anti-Vietnam yeah. allegory? Take like, the politics out of Star Wars. Oh, yeah. okay. So yeah. just no Star Wars then. Okay. Yeah. So just Star. Um, yeah. I, I, yeah, man. Like it, it, it's, it's, it's such a fantastic show. And then, you know hopefully we'll get a little bit like by the end of the season, we'll get a little bit of an indicator of where Omega ends up. And, and um, I mean, like I imagine she'll still be out there in the galaxy. Mm -hmm. I, I, but we'll see, we'll see what happens. We'll see what happens. I feel bad for the people who are turned off by the art style. And as a result, think, Clone Wars, mm. Bad Batch, Rebels. Oh, it's it's the kitty stuff. Because, you know, we you and I are very connected to the fandom, right? But not yeah. everybody I've I've kind of learned in my Star Wars travels have their f- kind of finger on the pulse as as actively as we do. So, you know, they kind of just, you know, see something and, you know, kind of make their judgment and they don't talk to other fans or whatever. They just kind of decide, oh, this is a kid's show. Okay, so I'm not seeing it i can't tell you how many people i've met between doing you know being a star wars artist and going to celebration and meeting people and just meeting friends through other friends and stuff like that how many people have not given these shows a chance because they just thought it was a kid show oh it's just oh Mm. it's got that animated and look i get it animated kitty looking art styles are not for everyone and i i feel crappy reducing it to calling it a kitty art style because yeah. you and i agree an animated art style like th- that doesn't mean it's for children like yes obviously in the grand scheme of things many productions will use a more child-friendly art style in order to you know kind of cater to cater to the interests of children and, and bright colors and all that basic shapes all that stuff but I can understand why it's not appealing to people. I think those people are wrong <laughs> because <laughs> I love, obviously I'm very drawn to that art style. I, it's, it's a very big part of my own art style. It's a huge part of your art style. Um, yeah. But like, I get it and I understand. It's just one of those things where it's like, oh man, I, I wish there was a way to kind of reach those people and just be like, look, I get why you feel that way, but give it a chance. Like, maybe don't start with Bad Batch. I would say, look, you've seen, you know, the prequels. Try the Siege of Mandalore. See how you feel about it. Like, yeah, all you need to know, 
XYZ about Darth Maul, about Ahsoka, where they stand. Check out Caesar Mandalore. And if you think it's good, if you think it's cool or whatever, maybe give the other series, I mean, the whole series a shot. Maybe give Rebels a shot. Maybe, like, it, I can't tell you how many people, even, like, in my own neighborhood, I have neighbors who kind of come to me as, like, the Star Wars guy, who just, like, had questions about these characters in Ahsoka. It's like, oh, well, they're from Rebels. Like, oh, the, 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 the kids show? Is the, is the kids show any good? And I'm like, guys, <laughs> the kids yeah. show is not just the kids show. It's yeah. perfect Star Wars, right? Like, it's, it's literally Star Wars in a different medium. If you like Star Wars, you'll probably like Rebels. You'll probably like Clone Wars. You know, no, nothing is a hundred percent hit with everybody, but it's 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 just such a frustrating thing. And I get it. Like, not everything is for everybody. That's okay. How many Star Wars projects came out that weren't for me? Book of Boba Fett was not for me. I I didn't mm-hmm. love Book of Boba Fett. The sequel trilogy was not for me. I didn't love those films. But like most of Star Wars that Disney is putting out. I'm like, it speaks to me. You know what I mean? It's, it's up my alley. So I don't know. And I feel like for the most part, a lot of us in, in these circles who are still consuming this content, like clearly they're doing something right. If you're still watching. Right. So I don't, I don't even know where I'm going with this. I'm just, I'm, I'm sure you can understand you of all people understand like how frustrating it is that people would write something off just because of the art style. So I don't know. Oh, at the end of absolutely. My pointless. Rant yeah. On that yeah. Idea. I mean, well, I mean, I've been fighting this fight since 2008, right? Oh, yeah. Like it, it's um, when, when I first started doing front lines, I, there was, I mean, the reason why I had so much success so early on is that like, just literally nobody else was going to cover it. Yeah. Right. Like, like until this is something that will always drive me nuts. Until I told the force cast that I was doing a show, they weren't doing a show. Mm. <clears throat> and then I, I emailed them to be like, Hey, I'm, I'm launching a show. I like, could you give it a shout out on your podcast? They never got back to me, but uh, I have... don't, I don't know anything that happened with him. Uh, I was friendly with them in like 2012 ish. And I haven't really spoken to them or listened since around then. So yeah, I know there is some, some kind of like controversy going on, but I have not followed it. I don't really know anything about what the, the, the flashpoint was when, was when Andy Gutierrez on uh, Instagram or Twitter or something like that posted a picture of her with a, with a, her mug that like says fanboy tears. Um, (laughs) And this was all, like I said, in the fallout of the Last Jedi, right? Mm-hmm. And I, I, and everybody was sort of like taking sides on whether or not the Last Jedi was real Star Wars or not. Look, even even if somebody on the Star Wars show specifically said we think that Michael Cohen has terrible takes on Star Wars, I wouldn't then like ha- like start a campaign right. against the Star Wars show because it's like. You guys, that is Star Wars like that. Like it just, I don't know. It to me, to me, it's like, I, like I would, I would reevaluate my position is what I would do. But, but I like, I would, I would have to do, I mean, I'd probably be mad at first, but then I'd like do some introspection and go like, why are the people who are like that closely tied to Star Wars so vehemently against my opinions? And it's not like anybody specifically called anybody out she had a mug and it was a funny joke about right. fanboy tears because everybody was upset about Luke Skywalker. Right. 
Um, and it's like, and I'm like, I think Joe, you were among those people, right? You don't like the way that Luke is handled in the last Jedi necessarily. I, right. I, the last Jedi is one of my least favorite films of all time. <laughs> yeah, I yeah. really dislike that movie, but you know what I did? I went I, and did work the next day. I watched other things. I went about my life. I didn't yeah. <laughs> like, sure. I've, I, I have definitely expressed the things I don't like about that film, but there's other star Wars. It's really okay. The other Star Wars that I really like, it's still there. They don't take it away. I'm not stuck yeah. only watching The Last Jedi for the rest of my life. I can yeah. watch the ones that I like. Yeah. It's really not a big deal. That's okay. I'll fix that eventually. I'll turn you around on it. <laughs> right. but, okay. Good luck. Uh, <laughs> one of these days we'll do like a commentary or something like that. And we'll sit there and I'll, and I'll, I'll address all of your issues. There, there, there is definitely... Uh, okay, I'm exaggerating. I, I think it's my least favorite to watch. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's a bad film That's fair. at all. Um, I, I mean, like, I think you probably feel about it the same way that I feel about Rogue One, right? Like, like I don't, I don't have any axe to grind with Rogue One. It's fine. It can exist. Like, it doesn't, it doesn't take away from the rest of Star Wars for mm-hmm. me. But like, I don't want to watch it necessarily. It, yeah, it, it does other than the Battle of Scarif, I'll, I'll, I'll watch that. But like, I don't want to watch sit through the rest of that movie. But I, yeah. so I mean, I can, I can articulate for the most part really the the crux of my stance with why i don't like that movie Hmm. um it it really simply is i'm very tired of the trope of a beloved hero just kind of becoming an old grouch Hmm. and not wanting to be part of the fight and yeah okay stella finds her groove again and gets back in the like okay but i'm just i'm tired of it and i i don't want a hero like luke skywalker to 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 be that and yeah it's okay that he is. It's not it's not the story that I would want. I I kind of feel the same way Mark Hamill originally felt because I know he's he's kind of made it clear that he has changed his stance once he has worked on the film and and they did it. But like to me it was just very fundamentally not Luke Skywalker. So mm-hmm. it's not wrong. It's just oh that's really that's not a take that I really like on that character. Oh, well. And then very shortly after we got the Mandalorian season two and I got the Luke Skywalker that I wanted in that finale episode. So like, yeah, yeah, I don't care. I'm like, I'm still getting stuff that I love. It's really not a big deal. I think I think it is one of those things that over time, as they fill in the gaps and they tell more of that story um, and 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 flesh that out, I think it'll be very similar to to like the feelings on Anakin's fall in revenge of the Sith. Right. I think when, when in 2005, when, when revenge of the Sith came out, <clears throat> the, the prevailing opinion was that was way too fast. Yeah. Very like abrupt. that, like that was so, so abrupt. It, it just kind of like all happens. Um, and then we get the clone wars and we get to spend all this time with Anakin and we get to see all of these things that lead him down that path. We spend all of this time with Obi-Wan and we get to understand why Obi-Wan was both blind and willfully ignorant to the things that were affecting Anakin, Mm -hmm. right? Mostly revolving around Satine, right? I think I'm just making a case for going and watching the Clone Wars for who haven't watched the animated (laughs) stuff. Um, And all of the Ahsoka stuff with Anakin. I mean, like it just, it, it, all of that has informed my viewing of Revenge of the Sith so Mm -hmm. much. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Like they will, they will, I guess this is actually a good place for me to bring up sort of like on the tail end of, of bad batch. And then this conversation, um, I believe that that might be what the next animated project is, 
is is something filling in either either it'll be something filling in the gap with luke and the jedi temple and and i mean like fingers crossed bringing in ben solo um and letting us spend some time with those characters uh in advance of the ray movie um i or it'll or it'll be something that takes place between rise and the and the new jedi order if if they did something that really kind of did inform the sequel trilogy because i I Mm -hmm. know like mandalorian and ahsoka are kind of doing that we think you know it it seems pretty clear like that's the direction that's going but if they actually focused on luke and ben and that whole story um i would be more than happy to sit down again and reevaluate my feelings after watching whatever that is i will sit down again and watch the sequel trilogy and objectively kind of like go in fresh because I yeah, would love, yeah. I would love to change. I want to love those movies. I really, really do. Yeah. But right now, I just don't. I'll get you there. I'll get you there. Don't worry <laughs> about it. Um, <clears throat> I mean, like one of the biggest things for me, and like I sought out, I sought out n- new voices and different opinions in in uh, in twenty nineteen after I, uh, rise rise of Skywalker, right? Because I had such, I had such huge issues with rise of Skywalker that I was like, I got to go like see what other people are saying about stuff. And then, and then I fell down the Raylo hole and it like completely changed the way that I look at the sequel trilogy. But, um, and, and like that was due in such major parts to Marie Claire and, and, uh, on what the force as well as Ty, uh, from, uh, wit and folly who've like changed so much of my perspective on star Wars. Um, but but even even after uh, Last Jedi, I mean, the thing that really turned me around on Last Jedi, because I came out of the, my first viewing of it, like, I don't know how I feel about that. Like, that was that was very different from what I was expecting. Um, like, it was very, very subversive. Um, and it took me about three viewings before I I was like. Actually, I really love what they did. Like, I really love the choices <laughs> that they made with Luke. Um, but then the novelization I uh, did so much. So if you haven't, if you, for anybody who hasn't uh, dug into the novelization, I mean, like there are, there are only two novelizations, I think that really, really enhance the source material. Um, and it, like the Revenge of the Sith novelization is one of them and i put it's the last jedi so good i like the yeah. revenge of the sith novel more than the movie and i love the oh movie. a thousand percent a oh, thousand man. percent it's yeah so matthew Sto- matthew stover like between that and and the other stuff that that he wrote right um because what's his other one is labyrinth is it labyrinth, labyrinth of evil? evil yeah yeah um and then he also does Shatterpoint. right Shatterpoint's matthew stover uh his i think so i'm pretty sure james luceno's labyrinth of evil what's behind me Oh, okay. So, what's his then? His is the, uh, he does Revenge of the Sith, and then I think maybe he does one that's like right after, doesn't he? That was no, no, no. I think the guy who did Labyrinth of Evil, Luceno, did because uh, it was like a little book trilogy. It was Labyrinth of Evil, Revenge of the Sith, and then uh, Dark Lord. Yeah, that okay. Little, like, that's why. That's why I'm getting. I'm getting these things confused. But Matthew Stover wrote wrote Revenge. Uh, Shatterpoint and something else, and like like his his writing for Star Wars, like his he he like Did he redefined. do Kenobi. Kenobi's awesome. No, he didn't do Kenobi. Um, 
oh, I can't remember the name of the guy who did Kenobi, but uh, same author that did a new Dawn, right? John Jackson. Miller. I have no idea. Yeah. I'm, I'm yeah. Well, I'm sure. <clears throat> yeah, I'm pretty sure John, though, they're both John Jackson Miller. Um, Kenobi and Kanan, my two of my favorite characters. He just needs to write a Poe book, and I'll have a trilogy of <laughs> John Jackson Miller writing my favorite Star Wars characters. Um, but I, uh, I Luke Skywalker in the Shadows of Mindor. And that's new, a Matthew Silver one as well. Yeah, and New Jedi Order Traitor. So those are only, only four he has done. Oh, okay. Um, I thought he did another Clone Wars era one, but may, I must have. I think I was just mixing it up with those James Lucena ones, um, which are also great. But I, I, but yeah, the the novelization for the Last Jedi I put right next to the Revenge of the Sith one. Yeah. In terms of like recontextualizing and okay. um, and and strengthening. The, am I am I gonna read this book? Because I feel because I want to love these movies, man. I really, yeah. really, really do. I, li- I wish, dude. I did. It's what it is. It is literally. It is literally what turned me around oh, on every aspect of the Last Jedi that I had a problem with. I turned around and was like, "Oh no, actually, this stuff is like core Star Wars." It's just really. I do. I am right there with everybody else. It's very difficult to accept Luke Skywalker as he is in the Last Jedi, but it also under scrutiny like it is in keeping with everything that luke is as far as i'm concerned we're talking the last jedi novel right not not uh rise of skywalker novel the last jedi novelization i was really hoping the 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 rise of skywalker one would do the same thing Uh, it did not jason fry yeah the the rise of skywalker one is is no bueno i didn't even finish it it was worse than the movie Um, i am trusting you i'm going to buy this right now I'm trusting you. Are you gonna I, actually like read a physical I, yeah, book? You I don't will, do the I, audiobooks? No, I like physical books. I prefer. <laughs> oh yeah, I do. I do the audiobooks. Yeah, dude. I it, yes, get it. Get All right. It. Um, and then read it, and then we will reconvene, and we'll uh, okay. we'll 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 have a <laughs> man. Okay. We've just we've just planned a future episode. Um, <laughs> Ooh, I have some Amazon points too, so it's only gonna be like three bucks. Perfect. Oh, excellent. Perfect. Uh, okay. Second thing that we, that we're expecting <laughs> in 2024, hilarious. We're 40 minutes in. We're only on the second thing. <laughs> the thing is, is that for the rest of this, we don't have nearly as much to talk about. Yeah. And I we don't really have anything oh. other than the names. <laughs> yeah. So skeleton crew is the next thing. Um, then it'll be the next live action star Wars series. Uh, and earlier this year, we were supposed to get it in 2023 it was supposed to come out this year i think that the strike the strikes um changed that i i think that that's i think that's a big part of it i think it i think a bunch of stuff shuffled because of it and so um marvel stuff shuffling and star wars stuff shuffling um i think more so the fact that it's going to be a little while before some of the other stuff is done we'll talk about andor season two in a minute but um, stuff that was supposed to be done for late next year or early 2025, I don't think is going to be ready mm-hmm. now. I, I And so I think one of the things that they've done is like a, like a piece of Laffy Taffy. They're just stretching it out. Mm-hmm. I, uh, Laffy Taffy's so, good, man. I like Laffy Taffy. Laffy Taffy is top tier candy. Um, but I, I, yeah, I, so Skeleton Crew, I think will, will also be Q1 of 2024 we don't have a oh you think it's actual... that soon yeah i think it's ready to go i think it's ready to go i i figured may like i don't know why i just had like 
That's yeah. just kind of where my head was. <clears throat> I th- I no, I think I think March I I likely sort of like like as Bad Batch tails off, okay. we'll get mm-hmm. we'll get skeleton crew. Um they'll kind of overlap a little bit, but uh, it's uh, kind of like with Mando last year, this year, that's been a long year. Mm. Um, yeah. Cause, cause I, th- I think it's, I think it's done. I think it's ready. Mm. Uh, and uh, I'm really, really looking forward to it. Cause uh, the, the showrunner is um, uh, John Watts, who is responsible for the MCU Spider-Man trilogy. And, I love those movies. Yeah. Um, all excellent. three of them. Yeah. So if he brings that same, um, and it's a, it is a show about a bunch of kids, uh, teenagers basically in star Wars. Um, if he brings that same, like hope filled youthful yeah. energy Charm, that yeah. is in, yeah, that's in those Spider-Man movies and those characters in that movie, in those movies, if he brings that to star Wars, I will be ecstatic. Um, <laughs> The thing that I am the most excited about with Skeleton Crew is that, like, these are all new characters. Yeah, that's cool, right? This is this is a this is an unexplored aspect of Star Wars, which is like, what's it like to be a kid in this galaxy? Um, unless you count Young Jedi Adventures, which, I mean, you can. Um, by the way, season two of Young Jedi Adventures fantastic guys i haven't watched all <laughs> of it? it yet we we watched the there's a there's a life day episode um oh my god <laughs> that is like it's like highlighted in the on disney plus and like the christmas stuff mm. and so we were watching christmas stuff the other night with with uh with my friend amanda um she had come over to hang out with the girls and give them their christmas presents because she goes back to the okanagan so she's away for christmas so she always comes over early and we kind of have like a little christmas you know, celebration sort of thing. So we watched, we watched beauty and the beast enchanted Christmas. And that like, that's only an hour long. So then we watched the, the life day episode of young Jedi adventures and season one of young Jedi adventures was good. Like it was, it was very good preschooler sort of uh, content uh, of which I watch a great deal. Uh, Cause I have a four and seven year old. Yes. That's why for sure. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> But but the episode that we watched from season two, and and I and I've watched the first episode of season two as well. Uh, first off, the animation like they cranked it up a notch in season two, um, and but like that the the episode with the life day episode. I mean, we go to Kashyyyk. There's a bunch of Wookies in it, oh, and these, the Wookie models, Joe. The Wookie models are exquisite. Are they better they, than the Rebels Wookies? Yes, yes, <laughs> significantly. Um, they are. I mean, like, yeah, they are. They are. They are perfect. They are beautiful to look at, dude. Um, and then, and then after that, we go to another planet. Like the next, the the the, because each episode sort of split in half, right? Like like two stories mm-hmm. per twenty two like episodes. Or Doug. Yeah, exactly. Um, and then the second one, they go to another planet with with all new creatures, and the and and it's an ice planet. They paired them together very well because it's like we get the life day episode and then we get an episode on like a snow, like a yeah. snow planet. <laughs> so they've got they've got like their snow gear on very, you know, Hoth esque. And and again, if you've been listening to me podcast about Star Wars for any length of time, you'll know that that's like my favorite thing in Star Wars. Is when we go to cold planets and everybody's got their 
their their parkas and whatever i don't know what it is about that i just like in clone wars trespass is my favorite episode um we've you and i have talked in the past about uh when we talked about comics we talked about kit fisto and plo Koon getting their mm. their cold weather gear i have all of the action <laughs> figures of those um that they did uh in the clone wars line everybody in their in their parkas uh, and stuff but i i yeah, so I I'm just a sucker for that stuff, but but in terms of like quality and stuff, like it, it, it to me it's crazy that they that they have all these new character models and stuff like that in season two. They really really expanded on it. Um, they they how they, how popular is it with kids? Like, is it doing well? Like, um, I think it's doing okay. I mean, like the the real indicator is how is 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 how well the toys sell, right? So sure, yeah. Um, Toys R Us has lots of toys. Um, so yeah, like, like they, like, I think the biggest thing with this one is that they did, like they, they merchandised and marketed it to the kids. Mm. So, um, I don't know. I mean, like my girls like it. They don't, they don't ask for it very often, but, um, but, and like when we went to put it on, Cassie was like, I don't want to watch that. Cause she wanted to watch a Mickey Mouse thing that she saw. And I was like, we're going to watch this first. And she was all mad. And then like two seconds in, she was like giggling and like in love with it. And she, it's like, I like, yeah, you like the show kid. Um, <laughs> but they have so many things competing for their attention. Sure, it's yeah. really tough. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I mean like, like they both, both of my girls really, really like the show. Um, and we've got a few of the toys, but. Um, I don't know that I've ever actually seen it. Cause they're not, I'm not seeing them on Hasbro pulse. But I imagine that's because that's like the collector stuff. Perhaps. Yeah, the Not toys. Like yeah, no kid stuff. So you I got, yeah, you got to go to like a toy store, like a or go to like a Walmart or something to find them. But they're uh, they're good toys. They're really really nice toys. Um, but they're kind of along the same lines as like the Spidey and his amazing friends. And, okay, and yeah. Some of the other Disney Junior stuff. These look um, like the Play School Star yeah. Wars things that came out many. Yeah, many very years similar. Ago. Very similar. Ooh, look at Yoda. Um, Yoda looks cool. Yeah, Yoda oh, looks outfit. great. Oh, Yoda man. looks great because it's all High Republic stuff. Yeah, right? sure. So, so do we um, think? I mean, not to not to skip ahead. Do we think Yoda will be wearing this if and when we most likely see him in the Alkalite? Yeah, for sure, for sure. I I because I believe that it's the same gear that he wears in the comics and stuff mm-hmm. and when he shows up because it's all kind of around the same era. Um. Yeah, actually, I well, I mean, Young Jedi Adventures is before Light of the Jedi, which is the is no Light of the Jedi. Is that the first book? I, I have no so. idea. I have not followed um, the High Republic at all. Yeah, because it's because um, um, Loden Greatstorm shows up in season two, and I. I listen. I jumped off the High Republic bandwagon so fast because I finished that first book. Spoilers for the first book. It's been a couple years now, so you've had you've had an opportunity to know this. Um, but Loden, who is a fantastic character that is introduced in that first book, he dies at the end of the first book. I was like, well, that was my favorite character. <laughs> like I'm out. Like I'm done. <laughs> like I I I didn't really connect with anybody else in that first book, and the comics didn't really grab me either. So I was like, yeah, I'm okay. I'm good. I'm good to skip this. Um, but then he shows up in, in Young Jedi Adventures. So it's like, okay, so this takes place before. Before the Nile show up and start wrecking house and everything. Um, launching things through hyperspace uh, at, at planets. But 
uh, yeah. Um, I mean, I, I expect that we'll get more of uh, Young Jedi Adventures in 2024 as well. We don't have that on the list, but mm-hmm. but I. Uh, yeah, I mean, it seems to it seems to be doing well. The, the, I, I I think it's I think Disney and Lucasfilm are happy with it. Okay, when but did, none of these things particularly did, last very long, anyways. Four seasons at most. But when does Skeleton Crew take place? Do we know that? Yeah, it's Mando era. Oh, okay. <clears throat> yeah, so it'll 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 tie in at some point to Mando. Um, I Ooh. think that the the I think that they've actually already confirmed that. Um, the one pirate guy who gets away in Mando season three, I uh, he like the 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 one that's in the in the Starfighter mm-hmm. um, that 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 Mando and and uh, and grief have the confrontation with in the city. Sure, yeah. Um, that I think that he is in okay. Skeleton Crew because okay. um, the main adversaries I think are pirates because mm-hmm. it's a because it's a treasure hunt thing, right? It's Goonies mm-hmm. in space, so um yeah yeah and i think that i think that's kind of all that we've gotten confirmed at this point but we really don't know a lot and and i don't has the trailer been released uh it has not been released i i am not even sure i know acolyte got a teaser shown at celebration but also has not been released I don't know okay, if so, Skeleton Crew has. Yeah, it has cuz I've seen it. Okay. So um so i saw it at celebration last year. Oh okay. Um, <clears throat> Yeah, and it, I'm like it was very brief. It, there, it it was not a lot, but but we did get to see some stuff from Skeleton Crew, and uh, I mean, like, it, yeah, it, fantastic. But that's so funny to me. Like, nothing has been released to the general public yet. Uh, listen, we are within weeks. We we have to be within weeks of, mm-hmm. of getting that. Um, whether it'll be, I don't know if it'll be by the end of this year or if it'll be early next year, but they like got to get out. They got to get like a December trailer for something, right? Yeah. They got to tell us about what's coming. They have to. Yeah. Um, I don't, they did that Disney plus day that one time. And it's like, okay, Oh like, man, why? there was that day where they dropped like three or four, like amazing Star Wars trailers. all along. Yeah. And along with all the Marvel stuff and whatever. Oh, and now great. it's just like, it's just like nothing. It's just a radio silence from Disney. I, I don't know. They they're in such disarray at the moment. But anyways, Bob Iger just pissing off fans left and right with his comments about things being too focused on messages and not on entertaining. It's like don't um don't don't buy into that stuff. That is a that is a PR misdirect away from the fact that the Marvels um was not successful at the box office because it was not promoted by the stars. Uh, they, they, he, like, Iger and the executives really want to sweep that under the rug. That like, SAG after was correct when they were like, "You need us to promote your things." I, this is what I will say. Everybody listening to this does not count in what I'm about to talk about because you guys are the ones that are like seeking out Star Wars information and like trying to get as much as possible and want to be in the know the majority of people who engage with star Wars and the MCU are not that mm. they, they aren't. It's just like, like the, the, the numbers prove it. I mean, like, like you were saying, there's so many fans that like, they don't have their finger on the pulse. They are fans. They're hardcore fans. Yeah. The number of times that I'll have conversations with people at star Wars celebration, they're like, what are you talking about? And I'm like, I'm talking about the things that we all talk about online. And they're like, Oh, I don't spend time on Twitter. Yeah right um 
and so we have this we have this tendency within our echo chamber to think that everybody is on top of all of this stuff all of the time but the majority of people who love marvel movies and go to every single one they are getting their information from like entertainment tonight and good morning america and when brie larson doesn't show up to tell you that there's a new captain marvel movie coming out they don't know they're not aware until it's in the theater like most people don't know about most movies until after they're released that's like that is that is the case but that's the case with so many things um early adopters uh, usually account for about five percent of of an audience Mm -hmm. um like like and that that's this we're now into like my marketing uh savvy so it's like when you are trying to get people to buy into a product early, 5% of your total audience are going to be early adopters who are going to buy it without social proof, right? Like without somebody telling them that it was good and that they should check it out, um, whether it's a movie or a social media product or, you know, I don't know, an actual physical product, a video game, whatever, right? the majority of people sit back and wait and hear from other people wait to hear from other people as to whether or not they should spend their money. Um, like that. And that is a, like that majority is about 40% of the audience, right? Cause you 5% of early adopters, five to 10, it depends on the product, but, and then you get like another 15 to 20 that will be in before, like they're, they're, they're the FOMO people. They're like, Oh, when they hear an early adopter talk about it, they're like, Oh, I got to get in on that. Mm. And then, another 40 percent of people who will like eventually come online at some point with 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 your product so that's the majority of people um and they need they need to hear about it from good morning america they need to hear about it from mainstream news sources or they will not engage with it um especially when we're talking about movies and tv shows that's just the way that it is and and they they will go to a mission impossible movie because tom cruise is in it and because they saw him on a late night show, right? <clears throat> Not because they saw the trailer. They don't care about the trailers or the, or the commercials. Like they're, they're almost like ad blind to them, <laughs> but they'll go to a thing because they like a star and, and, or they like a, they like a franchise or whatever. Right. I mean, like that's the, like fast and the furious relies on this dude. Like <laughs> it's definitely not the content of those films that make them but they're about successful. Family it's it's uh it's it's definitely just like yeah they, it is about family it's a it's an identifier thing right but um anyways we're on a wild tangent now but uh but yeah but bob Iger is out there pissing everybody off saying that the marvels was a failure because it because there weren't enough executives on set for it because it was shot during covid so okay, um, whatever there weren't executives to fix the problems right that it has. i'm i'm sure the problems with the story. Not there enough, are no problems. Like, executive interference. Is, okay. Yeah. Says an executive. Yeah. Uh, yeah. They're really trying to justify their own existence because they're the ones who should be replaced by AI. But um, uh, AI does a better job, actually makes better decisions than most executives. I, by the way, I, I, I did look into it. Uh, December 7th of last year was the Bad Batch season two trailer. I'm not seeing anything okay. else in December. Um, and then that debuted on January 4th. Um, yeah, there you go. So uh, listen, Bad Batch trailer imminent. By the time this episode is out to the wider public, I hope so. I'll bet you anything we've already got it. I hope so. You're, we are probably talking in the past about a thing that's already <laughs> happened. Um, 
yeah anyways uh but the marvels is a is a great movie it's super super fun like it's it is uh, to me it's a return to like what made phase two of marvel so much fun like guardians of the galaxy and uh uh um like like getting into like cap uh, winter soldier and stuff like that where it's like oh it's like yeah stuff's tied together it's tied into the larger stuff but it's not like everything is building towards blah 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 right like which Quantumania tried way too hard to be a part of but this is a star wars podcast not a marvel <laughs> podcast um so skeleton crew we'll get eventually tales of the jedi season two we know that it's happening. We like, don't know anything about else it. about it. Yeah. We don't know anything else about it. We don't know what characters it's going to focus on. So let me ask many you. Episodes it'll be. Yeah. Who do you want to be focused on? We got Dooku and we got Ahsoka season two. I know we've talked about this before when we talked about Tales of the Jedi, but has anything changed <clears throat> since then? Who do you want your se- Do you want, you know, uh, each episode to be somebody different? Do you want it to be the same kind of thing where it's, you know, three and three or half a season on one character, half a season on another character? What's what are you hoping for? What's your pipe dream? I'd love to see the season expanded to to what did we get? We got we got eight episodes in the last one. Six. Three and three. Six? Three and three. Okay. So I would love to see it expanded to twelve. Okay. I think cool. I think I think that would be a good number. Um at the length that they're at. I I that's maybe a little bit hopeful. But I um that being said, like four characters, right? Having having four central characters mm-hmm. to it. Uh, obviously, Kanan and Obi Wan are always at the top of my list for mm-hmm. stuff like this. I would love to get more with those characters. Um, I would love to see some Obi Wan stuff. I would love to to see some of Obi Wan's story canonized um, because there's a lot about his story that we know from various sources, but it's like none there's very little official stuff on him before he teams up with Qui-Gon mm-hmm. like there's there there's very little <clears throat> so i would really love to see i'd really love to see confirmation of whether or not he does have a younger brother i i because we got that in the Obi-Wan series so i think that would be a perfect opportunity to do that is to show in the same way that we saw Ahsoka uh before right before she was taken to the jedi uh temple um to see a little bit of what obi how old obi-wan was when he was taken from his family um because i i get the feeling that he was a little bit older um that he was more like a like a, like a three-year-old so to to see a little bit of his storyline mm. at that point um and get and get some of that backstory and 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 also hey listen we need to establish that there is another lineage of Kenobi's out there. Um, and that perhaps it just skipped his brother. (laughs) Cause I, I still hold out hope for two things. (laughs) One that Ray's mother, because we get a little bit, we get a little bit in the, um, Oh my God. What is it? Shadow of the Sith. That implies that, 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 Ray's mother comes from uh, a a lineage of force users, but we never, we still don't have a last name for that character. Um, But like her grandmother, uh, like Ray's great grandmother, I guess, because Miramir, worst name in Star Wars. 
I uh, we begged for a name for Ray's mother for so long, and then we got Mirror Mirror, and it's like, be careful what you wish you, for. You you get what you get, and you don't get upset. Yeah, Mirror Mirror and Dathan, God, uh, just the worst. Um, <laughs> so so I want I want to find out that that she is actually related to Obi Wan, right? That like <laughs> okay. That so so that we can then go like so Ray is a Kenobi she has been a Kenobi the whole time, um, I also I also really really want to find out in I uh, I uh, the New Jedi Order that that Palpatine was lying that like that it's like a half truth that like that 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 Dathan is his son but like not actually genetically like there's no there's no actually like actual bloodline there and that like the only here's here's why i don't have a problem with ray being a palpatine that's not the reason why it's the fact that palpatine's plan has such inconsistencies there are such holes in it Mm. in rise of skywalker where he's like strike me down and then i'll take over your body and and then it's like but he's like but he's like join me and it's like it's like he just like there's no there's no logic to what he requires in in uh, uh rise of skywalker because then he's like well i'll just kill both of you and, and it's like she does kill him yep and it doesn't, doesn't happen take over her body it's like, um yep. <clears throat> bingo right. so none of it none of it makes any sense and to me the only way that that works is if palpatine is if we establish that like the clone of palpatine was insane and he was just <laughs> saying stuff like he was like just Donald like, Trump? like, like, well, I, yes. Like Donald Trump, like, 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 I, I, to tie it into like the heir to the empire stuff, right. Of like, like that, that clones, cloned force users, like they are not stable. There's no, you can't trust the words that come out of their mouths. Yeah. Um, and so like him being like, like everything that he tells Kylo Ren to go do is in contradiction to what he actually wants at the end of the movie. And it's like, uh, yeah, go go destroy ray and it's like but i thought you need ray it's just like none of it makes any sense so to me it's like like him telling kylo that he's her grandfather and like all of this stuff like it just like yeah to me it's like it, it makes more sense if it turns out that all of it was a lie that all of it was just manipulation on palpatine's part um that'd be pretty in funny. the same in the same way that he manipulated Anakin, right? That would be consistent with Palpatine's character. Cause, cause in revenge of the Sith, he just says whatever he needs to say to Anakin in order to get Anakin to fall to the dark side. Right. So he's like, Oh, I, like, listen, Darth Plagueis knew how to do this stuff. And it's like, well, okay. Okay. So like, he like, he like had a book on it. it he never actually did it. He didn't actually do it. We, we can't do it. Padme's dead. Anakin Padme's dead. She died. She died. You killed her. And it's like, none of what he says to Anakin is true, right? Like it's all, all of that is, is manipulation. So, um, yeah, for him to be like, for us to find out that he was just like messing with Kylo Ren and Ray, like I, that would not be, that wouldn't even be a retcon to me. That would just be a confirmation of Palpatine's character. Um, so having some stuff established in tales of the Jedi to then, um, point us back in the original direction of the Force Awakens, which is that Ray is somehow related to Obi Wan Kenobi. Um, other than otherwise, 
why then does Obi-Wan specifically talk to her in the first Force vision, right? Mm. Because, like, hearing Anakin's voice, hearing Luke's voice, hearing Vader, all of that makes sense because she's holding on to the lightsaber that they used. But why would Obi-Wan be interceding if not for the fact that she is somehow connected to that story? The other part of it is that it just brings everything full circle. It brings everything full circle to have it. Anyways, I've talked about this at length on so many other places. So, um, so for Tales of the Jedi, I would love to see Obi-Wan stuff that lays groundwork so that we can fix that. Um, I would love to see Kanan, some Kanan stuff, especially because the season one of Bad Batch um, erases a little bit of the Kanan of what was what was considered canon story sure. for Kanan yeah. in the in the comics. So I would love to see um, the continuation of that because I, I would love to see, you know, um, ev- everything else. So with Kanan, it's really it's it's great, right? Because we've got the Caleb Doom character model. So we can do some Jedi Temple stuff. We can do some stuff immediately after Order 66, like that basically picks up. How does he like once he gets away from from Hunter, like what happens next? And then we can have some uh you can tell a little bit of new dawn of him meeting Hera. Um and then we can see a story that we haven't gotten to see yet, which is how Sabine was recruited to 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 the ghost crew. Cause I think that Sabine being who she is in the Ahsoka series, having a little bit more connective tissue between her and Kanan and the and having Kanan be the one that 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 uh, I mean, like we know a little bit of it because she talks about it in Rebels, um, and the Imperial Academy and all of that stuff. But getting to see Kanan recruit her, um, I I think would be really really important for both of those characters and the connection that they have and the connection in the Force, right? Because we get to see Kanan sense Ezra and be like, okay, we got to bring this kid in. Um, but to 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 get just a little bit of a sense that that Kanan was like, there's potential with this girl. I think I think would do a lot to then like reinforce what happens later on in Star Wars Rebels, but then later on with Ahsoka as well. Right. Um. Uh, both what happens in between Ahsoka as well as as um the Ahsoka series. Uh, I what happens there. I think Sabine is now also eligible for a tales of the Jedi. Yeah, for sure. Um, but I think that what we'll end up seeing probably is a high Republic character as well. I, hmm. I, uh, uh, but that's tricky because that sort of goes against the ethos of what they've done with bad batch and tales, which is we have a bunch of assets <laughs> from this era. Let's use them. Hmm. Um, doing high Republic would mean, I think, I think, uh, uh, building out a bunch of new stuff that we've never seen before. Yeah. So that makes it, that makes it more difficult, but not impossible. Um, but I would love to like, listen, I would love to see Kanan like, like adult Kanan in the clone Wars style. Cause that's what we would get. Right. Mm-hmm. We wouldn't be getting rebel style. We'd be getting clone Wars style. So to see that Ooh. character that be in neat. that style, that'd would be, be wild. That day I would be pitching a print to acne on that one. Cause that yeah. would be awesome. Um, yeah. So yeah, I, yeah, that, that, I think, I think that's kind of, who do you want to see? 
Who, where, where are you at with um, Tales of the Jedi? I'm with you on Obi-Wan. I would love, I mean, I've been saying this for a long time. I would love to see Obi-Wan meeting Satine and their mission on Mandalore with mm. Qui-Gon. That would be awesome. That's my number one choice. Um, <clears throat> I'd probably also go with some Quinlan Vos. We know that he survived Order 66 with, yep. uh, from the Obi-Wan show. the path stuff. Yeah. And sp- speaking of that, maybe uh, baby Coran Horn, seeing a little bit of his story, maybe a little bit of setup if he does Ooh. end up in your prediction that he ends up uh, involved in the Rey New Jedi Order stuff, possibly. Yep. Maybe seeing a little bit of setup for that so he's not just like showing up out of the <clears> blue. Maybe we uh, get a little hint that he's coming. Um, yeah. And I would love to see some more Ventress. I think Ventress is a character that I don't want to say she's been forgotten or left behind because she did get her closure in Dark Disciple, but I wouldn't mind seeing her story a little bit more fleshed out, um, especially if we're going to have, if we would have Quinlan Voss. Uh, I think that would be really cool because their stories intersect maybe a little bit of Quinlan, a little bit of interest, see where they intersect, and then what Quinlan does next. I think that'd be pretty neat. Yeah. Um, I mean, I listen, I've been saying for a while that I think that, that we need a feature length, um, animated film, like released directly to Disney plus. I don't think it needs to come Mm. out in theaters, but, but I would love to get like a feature film. And, and I think that like dark disciple, hell yes, which is adapted from the unfinished episodes of clone wars, like just finish them. Yeah. It's oh, and yes, it's not please. Clone Wars. Like it's not it's not more episodes of Clone Wars. Clone Wars is done. But just like literally, like let's just take that and Dark Disciple and finish those episodes, make it a movie. Just that make it a film. So awesome. Right? Like just make it a feature length film and and release it on Disney Plus. I think it would be huge for the fans. I think I think we'd all love it. Um and it's something that is like half done. Like we live in a world so easy that not that long ago all hope of ever getting the siege of Mandalore was gone. Yeah. So who knows? Yeah. Fingers crossed. I think, yeah, I think, I think it, I think it's like, it's perfect for that. Um, yeah. Especially if you wanted to, to sort of bring Quinlan a little bit more into like the limelight, uh, mm-hmm. which I think they should. Uh, yeah. Yep. Uh, cool. Okay. So that's all tales of the Jedi acolytes coming. I think we'll probably get uh I think Acolyte will be like summer fall. Okay. Um the teaser was uh, shown in Europe. So it and it's pretty far yeah. along because I did see like a like a, you know you're not supposed to record but somebody did. I did see the cam version of the teaser and it looks awesome. I can't wait. Um, I haven't seen it. I'll have to I'll have to I'll have to search that out after I'll this. I'll try to but... I'll try to help you find it. Um yeah, I mean, yeah, acolyte, acolyte is imminent. Um, it might even be as soon as Star Wars Day, uh, May the Fourth. So that'd be awesome. We'll see, we'll see. Um, I think if Andor was coming out next year, that absolutely acolyte would be. I think if everything had stayed on schedule and we had gotten Skeleton Crew at the end, if we were already watching Skeleton Crew right now, which we should be, right? I think it was supposed to be like late November. I, I think yeah, it was going to probably hit hearing, that Willow yeah. spot. Right. End of this year, yeah, I remember that was yeah. the original plan for it. Um, so I think that it had had Skeleton Crew, and I think all of this shifted because Andor's not coming out next year. Like Andor, okay. because the because because filming got interrupted by the strike, right? Mm-hmm. First by the writer strike and then by the actor strike. So, so like they're they're not done production yet. I don't think. Um, Did they resume? 
I don't know if they have yet. Yeah. I, I'm honestly not okay. not sure. So, um, Andor was supposed I, to be late next year, and if that were the case, then I think we would have gotten Acolyte Star Wars Day. Is is I'm sorry, I don't mean to keep interrupting you. Is the strike over? The acting because I I feel like I yeah. keep hearing different things. No, no, it's over. Actor strike is over. Okay. Yeah, the actor strike is over. Both strikes are okay. over. Um, I think I I don't know what ended up happening with the video game. Uh, uh, arm of the union, but mm-hmm. it, I don't think that they ever went on strike. So, okay. um, but that might still be sort of in the air. But there are other unions that can strike, so it can like and it can happen sure. at any minute. Yeah. So, because um, there's lots and lots of issues all throughout the industry. But, uh, yeah, yeah, I think we're I think we are in the clear for now. At least with the actors and the writers, uh, the directors took a deal. I think this was like a year and a half ago. Um, and I think that the director's guild is probably kicking themselves now. Cause it's like, well, you guys actually could have, you know, I, I been part of this and, and uh, I, you know, not that, not that the directors weren't supportive of the strikes, but, um, but they could have also gotten better deals as yeah. well. So the yeah. next time that that comes around, I think the director's guild will probably, will probably be pushing for a much better deal. But they'll probably get it because I don't think that the industry will want to go through what they went through these last few months ago. <laughs> <clears throat> so um, they might be in a in a good position for their next negotiation. But good, yeah, yeah. I mean, a artists, yeah. I yeah. uh, but yeah, some of the some of the smaller, not that they're small unions, but like like sort of lesser known, like the Teamsters and uh, and that sort of thing more of the like behind the scenes crew stuff. Mm. I, I, they could go on strike as well. So good. Yep. Absolutely. Get absolutely. Paid, Cause everybody, everybody deserves to get paid. I, and these executives don't deserve all of the money that they're mm-hmm. getting. Cause they're kind of the ones mucking everything up. But anyways, I, yeah. And or season two, we kind of just already talked about that. I, we are, I don't think we're getting it next year. I don't. I don't yeah, think it's in the cards. I but, think that would uh, be very optimistic. I don't. I think it'll be that. early twenty twenty five. Yeah, I think that's yeah. pretty fair. <clears throat> so, um, stepping out of TV, I uh, out of the Disney Plus uh, zone. I uh, we've got Star Wars Outlaws slated for next year. Big video so game. Oh god! Oh man! From my uh, uh, from EA, who's making Ubisoft? Outlaws? Ubisoft. Ubisoft. Because EA, this is the first Star Wars game that's not Ubisoft. Uh, that's not EA, you mean? Yeah. Yeah, I'm sorry. Yes, yes, yes. Not, yeah. not EA. Yeah, they had the yeah. exclusivity um, for a while. And it looks fantastic. Oh, I'm man. super psyched for I'm this game. I'm salivating, man. Yeah. I, yeah, I mean, we've only got kind of gotten the one trailer thus far. I'm sure that we'll hear more about it around Summer Games Fest. But you know what? Actually, like, maybe Game Awards, week? there might be a trailer. Could trailer. be. Maybe. It could be. Maybe. Um, but I think that we're good at the moment. I think that we've kind of seen everything that we need to see for yeah. now until it's closer to the game coming out. It was like a meaty uh, gameplay trailer. It wasn't it just was like, a here's a teaser. Like, they walked you through a mission. It was pretty awesome. Yeah. Yeah, we got to see quite a bit, and uh, and it looks great. So, I'm down. Like, I'm I'm sold already, I think, and I think a oh, lot yeah. of us are. Like, I don't me need too, to see yeah. anymore. Just tell me when it's coming out and let me pre-order yeah. it, and I'm, I'm there. Um yeah, I mean, like we're now far enough away from Jedi Survivor that I'm like, where's the next thing? Give me, give me, give me, give me. Yeah. So, what's the story with the clips? Is that still happening? That game? 
<laughs> uh, presumably it's still happening, but uh, uh, but also um, you know we we don't like uh, the studio that's making it. Right. Well, it's not that we don't like the studio. I'm sure that the people that work at the studio are fine people, but um, well, man, who's the who's the because it's is it Quantum right? It's Quantum I'm not and sure. I the 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 per, the guy who owns it is like a terrible yucky. person. He's a yucky. Okay. Yeah. Um, Star Wars Eclipse. Now that I've said all this stuff, I have to like make sure that I'm, that I'm <laughs> yeah, you're not saying the right people. Regurgitating. Sorry, not Quantum. Quantum is a different developer. That's why I wanted to make sure that I... So Quantic Dream is the okay. developer, and Quantic Dream is is run by David Cage. Yeah, I, that's, I was going to say David Cage is the one that we do not like. He has said some pretty gross things about mm. sort of like LGBTQ uh inclusion okay. and and other stuff he's got some he's got some bad takes he's a gross person so did uh, anything come yeah. from that or because I, I do remember the press a little bit <clears throat> about that but like did not he really. just like weather the storm and did he do his I, apology run and then that was it i don't know that i don't know that he necessarily even apologized for anything yeah. or walked anything back i think that we're still in a place of uh, still crappy okay let's see we'll just i'll put in my i'll put in i i one of my favorite things to put into google which is a person's name and then the word problematic and then see what comes up the issues with my name and david and cage yeah. comes up. let's see no you're not nearly important enough to be problematic but maybe um, one of the other ones is yeah why all the hulk uh, hogan hate on reddit okay <laughs> pretty good there you go um uh yeah my god oh dude there's too many things to list with this guy oh boy he's a he's just he is the worst and i don't think i don't think that it's ever sort of been resolved i think it's one of those things of like he just goes quiet and everybody hopes that that you move on and it's like yeah so what what's the what's the move on something like that because you have all of these other artists who are working yeah. really hard, who aren't crappy, who should get paid for their work, are making yeah. a product that they care about. Could be a really amazing product. I mean, we don't. Obviously, it's too early to tell. Um, what What's the ethical choice on that one? Do you boycott I it think... because you don't like the guy in charge? What's Yeah. What's the What's the deal? What's your take on that? I think everybody has to choose for themselves what they're what they're going to do, right? And I think that everybody needs to give everybody that that freedom of choice. Um, so that is on both sides of things. That is, if somebody is going to boycott the game, I think that you need to respect their their choice to boycott the game. Sure. I think if somebody is going to choose to purchase the game, I think you need to leave them alone and not go after them and say that they're not an ally and blah blah blah. I don't think what was, that. That's what was fair. that? Um... It was this year, right? That Harry Potter game came out. I remember there's a lot of controversy yeah. around that for the same yeah. reason with uh, J.K. Rowling. I think that one is a little bit more cut and dry. Every right. penny you put into J.K. Rowling's pocket goes towards anti-trans oh. propaganda. Okay. So, so what, what's like, the difference she, there? Exactly. She, she actively campaigns against trans rights she is allied with the wrong side of things and she gives her money to organizations that are actively doing harm so 
the fact that you are, if you, if you purchase licensed, authentic Harry Potter merchandise or products, you are putting money in JK Rowling's pocket every time you do that. And that money is then turning around and going into the pockets of anti-trans activists. Okay. Right. That's very cut and dry to me. That's super clear. David Cage has some bad opinions and some of his writing reflects some of those bad opinions. So, um, supporting him is, uh, is, uh, is a sticky thing. I don't know that he's writing this game. I don't think that he is. Um, I think that it is his company that is developing the game, but I think that it has its own writers. Um, and I think those writers are like hired by Lucasfilm and Disney. Right. So, uh, if he's not writing the game to me, I think that, I think that that's a little bit easier to justify that you're like, you're not directly supporting a, a piece of work that he has created. Like I, uh, I heavy rain uh, beyond two souls and, and um, Detroit become human, right? Like those, those three games he wrote, he was like the, the head writer on and they have some issues with how, like there, there are problems with, with how things are portrayed in those and they're, yeah the way that he's treated people involved with those, including Elliot page have been an issue. Right. So what, what was, cause I played Detroit and I didn't really, it, it <sighs> felt like a, a statement against, uh, yeah, there's some, there's some, there's some misogynistic tropes that are played up in it for okay. sensationalism. It's, it's very, um, exploitative i think i think like that sort of the take on that one is that like the female characters in that are are written from a place of exploitation and not um not uh sensitivity right so so um it's a yeah it's it's tough this is one of the things with his with his stuff is that it is not cut and dry right Mm -hmm. he has said some things that are very problematic but then his writing it's like well okay so i see detroit become human because i played it as well um it's a lot like i consider it thematically of along very similar lines of like an x-men story right like the 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 synthetics in that are 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 an allegory for marginalized communities but right which is why i i mean i liked it when i played it i thought it was like oh it's absolutely portrayal of these things it's not condoning it it's it's saying hey there's there's an issue with this right so but david cage is a cisgendered heteronormative white man in a position of privilege writing these stories for marginalized groups and that in and of itself is a little bit icky right because it's like well who are you to put words into the mouths of these movements right like 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 these people what he should be doing is 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 lifting up other voices if these are the types of stories that he wants told in his games he should be bringing those people into the room to be a part of it um and that that didn't happen as far as i know right so again and and again this is something like i need to dig it back into it because it's been so long since since i've been in uh, like with this controversy that like, I don't remember like the finer points of it. So maybe some of that did happen, but there is an aspect there of like, of like this, these are not your stories to tell. So again, that's exploitation as opposed to, you know, like, like um, uh, amplifying 
a voice, right? Which which is which is one of the places where he gets into trouble. Well, um, okay. So let me I I want to try to work through this yeah out loud as I as I tend to do. Cuz I'm certainly not questioning what you're saying, but I want to make sure that I I kind understand of clear, yeah, what it means, yeah. Because I Yeah. This is this is as a as a white person of of privilege like this is not really something that I've had to think about too often. So when it presents itself, I want to I want to really think about it. I really want to really absorb it yeah. and understand it. Um, to I'm I'm not sure I understand why it would be considered exploitive when it could also. I mean, I think it could also based off of what I know about it. Um, could also kind of be coming from a position of wanting to bring awareness to this type of thing. Now, I I, I agree that if you're going to tell an authentic story like that, you should be <laughs> listening to the voices of people who have actually gone through the thing that you're criticizing, right? Like that's that's should be obvious. But yeah, to me, I almost wonder if it's um, you know, if we're making assumptions about his intent, because if he's trying to tell the story where the goal of his story is to make you kind of stop and think about these things and kind of apply them to real life. Isn't that a good thing? Wouldn't that be something considered that he's kind of encouraging you to think about this past what your own experience already mm -hmm. is? So I think, uh, yeah. So, so I think there's two things happening here. So, so to talk about the, the exploitative nature of it, right? So if I, as a, uh, as a like a, a a white man right i cisgendered generally heteronormative but not exactly heteronormative it's tough it's got tough because i i have i have some some uh minority groups in my uh, uh identity so it's 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 tough for me to use myself as an analogy but i want to i want to use myself stay away from using somebody else. Mm -hmm. um, so if I use myself as the analogy, I am not in a position to write a story about, like, let's say that I write a movie about uh, the experiences of a gay black man in <laughs> Texas sure. in the 1960s. Sure. Okay. Right. Who the hell am I to write that? <laughs> now I can do my research mm -hmm. and I can talk to people mm -hmm. and I can get, as real a picture of that as possible. But I am, instead of writing something that would be authentic to my lived experience. Um, and when we, when we talk about, when we talk about things that are meant to be, um, uh, I think, I think I'll use the term illuminating, right? Cause I think that's kind of what we're getting at is that something that like brings light to a, to an issue or, um, or to a, to a, like to a lived experience. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, I think it's really important for those, to, those types of stories to come from places of authenticity. I, it, so if I were, you know, no matter how much work I do to make sure that my story is as accurate and authentic as possible, it is always going to come from a, a tarnished place because rather than tell my own story, I said, well, that person's story is something that I can sell, right? Because because okay. at the end of the day, this stuff is commerce, sure. right? Yeah, that's fair. Mm -hmm. 
I made a decision at some point, whether it was for the right reason or the wrong reason, that my story that I have to tell about my lived experience isn't commercial enough. But that sure. story okay. about that gay black man in 1960s Texas is commercially viable. So I'm going to spend my time researching and then writing that story. Um, I, I, I think like so that's that's an, an extreme example of what an exploitative no, that's narrative that's would valid. be right there, there's a level of i guess dishonesty in it yeah okay yeah exactly exactly so um whereas what i what i should do and what i try and do with thunderquack uh is to um take a position of privilege that i have right um in this example so like i have had the opportunity to do things with podcasting and go places that have then turned around into success for podcasting right and i won't say that the fact that i'm a, a present as a cis het white male i th- that has given me incredible privilege to be able to do a lot of the things that i get to do mm. um and so i have then turned around and 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 tried to then you know give a platform to other people uh with with thunderquack that that is more diverse than my own perspective right um and that's an important part of thunderquack that's an important part of 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 like my goals with it and it is limited to my circle it is limited to the people that i have access to but but i have had opportunities to bring in voices um that don't fit my own uh, in order to to expand the type of content and the 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 uh, sort of the subject matter and stuff like that 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 we can cover on Thunderquack. So, um, like that's what you should do when you're in a position of privilege and you've got some authority and a little bit of opportunity to throw around is that you go like, okay, well, let's grab some other people so that we can bring these other people in and have you know a broader experience um, represented in a story. Uh, I don't think that that has happened with David Cage's stuff. I think Mm -hmm. that he puts himself front and center because he's an egomaniac. Like that's, these are the things that I know about the guy is that like, because it's not just, it's not just about the content. It's also about the way that he runs his studio. Mm -hmm. Um, And, and he is very much um, about putting himself at the center of every decision. And, and, um, and and so then when he has said some things that have been troubling about the LGBTQ community, um, I think that that then calls him to question the decisions that he makes in sure. okay. who he hires and the environment at Quantic Dream um, that then, you know, is going to go into, I think in particular here, because it is a story that's set in the High Republic, I, Star Wars Eclipse is then like in in weird territory because the high Republic has been criticized by, you remember those, those uh, uh, right wing uh, extremists that we were talking about earlier in this episode. Um, They have been very critical of the high Republic because the high Republic has a lot of inclusivity in its mission statement. Like that was like, that was one of the things that they sought to do both in terms of the characters that were represented in the stories, but also the voices behind them. Right. So the writers and artists and creatives putting themselves into that work. So like that's, that's been a major, major part of 
the High Republic and LGBTQIA plus, right? I, I, uh, inclusivity has been a big part of the High Republic. So, um, I think I think that that mixed with David Cage makes for a very difficult proposition sure. for this game. Mm-hmm. Um, and I and and so like that that the, just that that whole aspect of it, I yeah, it makes it really tough. I think I sorry, I had another point that I was going to make and I've forgotten what it was about. So I it was mean, like sort of like that exploitation thing. I mean, you but, you for the most part, I mean, kind of articulated everything. Plus, I also didn't really know anything about him as a person. <clears> so the fact yeah. that the the general consent. I mean, look, I try very hard to not reduce people to what the internet says about them because yeah, yeah everybody is a complex human being right but like sometimes where there's smoke there's fire right sometimes a cigar is just a cigar if somebody's behavior is constantly you know questionable and in the limelight for the wrong reasons yeah chances are they're not the type of person that you are gonna be well you and i would be interested in kind of supporting um yeah. I, didn't, I, didn't I think know this anything is, about yeah. this guy, so this is this is all kind of news to me. I'm glad we we talked about it. Um, it's so hard, man, to keep up with all because, like, I feel like oh, it's impossible. Anytime I I hear there's drama now, because I'm just so burnt out on. It feels like there's an issue with everything, and I don't mean yep. that from a political <laughs> like I don't mean that like. You know what I mean? you know what I'm saying? Like it's just like no, everything it, has something yeah. exhausting attached to it. No, you're absolutely right, and it's difficult, and that's why I said at the at the outset of this that I think that it's really important on both sides of this argument yeah. to just let people make their own choices and what they're comfortable with, and to be respectful of that. Right. Yeah. So that is yeah. both the people who are going to boycott this game as well as the people who are going to play it. I I it is not as cut and dry as what I talked about with the jk rowling stuff that to me is very very clear um this this game star wars eclipse in particular is i think in a very murky place we don't know very much about it we don't know what the story is we don't know what the content of it is i will probably hold back and wait and see what the reviews say about it and see what people have to say about about the content of it before i make a decision about whether or not i'm going to play it Mm. i have really really enjoyed quantic dreams games i like i think that they're really really great narrative based games i have a lot of bad feelings about the fact that i've supported that company in the past as well so um knowing what i know now about david cage right because we didn't know uh, we didn't really know this stuff at the time that these games were coming out sort of like it was in the wake of uh detroit become human that Mm. that i think a lot of this stuff happened um, and so all of a sudden everybody was like, Oh, this guy's, this guy's no good. His like the way he runs this studio, like there was sort of like a big to do about it. Right. Um, but I, I think that what applies to David Cage in particular is, is a, a phrase that I think uh, uh, Marie Claire is, is fond of using, which is when people tell you who they are, believe them. Yeah. And, no, that's, and that's one of those things where it's like, I, he can come out and he can apologize all he wants, but his behavior and the words that have come out of his mouth tell you a lot about who this guy is mm-hmm. and what he believes in. That doesn't mean that there's not room for him to grow and evolve. I think that's one of the things that we've lost. And I think that's sort of along the lines of one of the points that you're making, which is that like human beings are complex 
uh, and and what we get painted with on the internet is often not a good representation mm-hmm. of uh, of a whole person. But um, but when somebody tells you who they are, believe them. Yeah. I think like that's yeah. also very important. Uh, so it's one of those things of like uh, like people's opinions are not as important to me as the, the actions and behavior of, yeah. of, yeah, of course. the individual themselves. And then I'll form my own opinion. So, cause I know that there are a lot of people who have very, very strong opinions about supporting star Wars eclipse. Um, star, people in the star Wars fandom, people whose opinions I respect greatly and, and who, who I hope respect my opinions. Um, like I want them to, to, to see me, uh, as on the right side of these sorts of things. Cause I believe that they are often on the right side of these things, but, um, but at the same time, I know that there's also, there's also a lot of sort of um, like militant uh, attitude towards these things that I think is counterproductive. I don't yeah. think that it's helpful. Um, and I think that vilifying people for not knowing better is a, uh, uh, I mean, what we have seen, man, there's a theme running through this episode this week. I, uh, I think that we have seen that, that all that does is radicalize in the wrong direction. It's um, I, cause when, when the left goes after people for not being exactly what you're saying, it's like, it's so hard to know all of these things that we're supposed to be upset about all of these things that we're supposed to be outraged about. It's impossible to be up on all of it. Right. And the best that we can do is move through this world with good intention um, and to correct our behavior when we learn new information. Mm -hmm. Right. Like that to me, like that is, that is, that's how I try and do stuff. Yeah. Um, And I, and I, right. Like, yeah. And it's what I expect of everybody else around me. Right. The people that I associate with. So, um, as long as as long as people are staying on that straight and narrow, I like I am not about to like light anybody up. But um, but the second that somebody shows their true colors, uh, like I'm done. Like I, I have very little patience for it. So um, I let me yeah, ask. There's you, been wh- yeah. What what is your opinion? Because I I think we agree. If if someone kind of reveals themselves to be someone that we don't want to support whether it's financial financially or whatever like we've just decided okay this is this person's opinions and uh actions don't really line up with mine so i've decided that i want to kind of separate myself from them that's that's pretty obvious but (laughs) what is your feeling on and i don't mean like doxing them or anything like that, any like revenge stuff or anything like malicious. What is your opinion on cancel culture in terms of like, well, now this person's, uh, you know, financial well-being is kind of in jeopardy. Yeah. So, you know, you know, you, you mentioned before a lot of the times what it does is it radicalizes that person even more and they kind of like dig in even deeper again like you shouldn't no one should have to support anyone that they don't you know agree with but at the same time the situation now is putting that person in a you know oftentimes 
putting them in a position of, well, now I can't feed my family and I have to, you know, you have to figure something out. Now there's all this uncertainty on their, on their well-being, on people who depend on them, who it might not be their fault that they're in that position. And now their mm. well-being is in jeopardy. What is your feeling on that as a whole? Is there a solution? Is there a better solution than, okay, uh, you know, the Gina Carreras of the world are just, we'll just fire them and ban them from, from Disney. So, I mean, I don't know yeah. how much that might be a bad example because I don't know how much her career actually suffered since leaving Disney. Cause I know she garnered a lot of support from the people who were in her corner. Um, yeah. I think you get what I'm asking though. Like, yeah. Um, listen, if I have a job and I go into that job and I say some racist stuff, I uh, I say some anti-Semitic things and then somebody at that job is offended by that and I get fired. Mm -hmm. I said those things. Right. I did that stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, That applies directly to the Gina Carano thing because that is what happened. Mm -hmm. She said a lot of stuff that a lot of people didn't like. I think she's and a then, bad example. <laughs> and then she, she's and then she example. crossed a line, right? Sure. Like she yeah. crossed a she line and yeah. st like started posting Holocaust denial yeah. stuff. Yeah. I, I, and then, and then when she was called out on it, um, I, she doubled down. Mm -hmm. And so like that one to me is like, that's another one where it's like, this is a very clear example of you have, made the bad choice and instead of hearing anybody out on why what you did was a bad choice you just said you're infringing on my right to freedom of speech and it's like absolutely like listen freedom freedom of speech is not freedom from repercussion or freedom right. from consequences, consequences right yeah. so i i believe very much as a parent uh in in natural consequence mm -hmm. right <clears throat> So um, this is a this is a mis uh, misunderstanding in in the term gentle parenting. People think that gentle parenting means letting your kids do whatever they want. Just be like, oh, just just, just let them, yeah. yeah, let them be. No, that's bad parenting. That's what we call that bad parenting. That's just that's just being a bad parent. Um, gentle parenting is uh, does have consequences, and that's and it's instead of punishment, it's consequence, right? So mm -hmm. a punishment is you misbehaved, you didn't follow the rules, and now I spank you, right? Like that, like one has nothing to do with the other, right? Like you spilled something on the floor, and now I punish you physically, right? Um, it like th like these two things do not match up, but you spilled something all over the carpet in the living room you are no longer allowed to have juice while you watch TV. Mm. That's a natural consequence. Sure. Right. Um, and, and so like when I parent, that is like, that's the perspective that I parent from when, when, uh, when, and, and I tell them all the time, it's like, listen, if you guys, if you guys don't shape up, there's going to be a consequence from this. And that consequence might be no TV. It might be, it might be like a million things, right? We're not going to go do that thing that we wanted to go do. Um, I might take something away. Right. But it's, it's, you know, you have to set that up in advance if that's, what's going to happen. You know, they have to know the expectation, but then like, if it is, if it is directly related to an action, right? Like you've done something, you've now done this three times, this thing that I told you not to do. <laughs> 
now I take away the opportunity for you to do it in the first place, right? Because it's something that you wanted. I, I see what is called cancel culture very often as natural consequence, which is you repeatedly mouthed off about something and now nobody wants to work with you. Mm-hmm. Well, like that's on you, right? Um, it, it is tough when there are other people involved. So when it's something like a studio, somebody who runs a studio and it's like, well, we want to punish this person who runs the studio. Um, that's very difficult. That's very difficult. Mm-hmm. So that's why the quantic dream thing is, is murky as opposed to the JK Rowling thing, which is like, she writes a sure. book, she puts yeah. a book out. I'm not going to support that book. Right. Um, that's very easy. Right. But I, yeah, I don't know. It's tough because it's like David Zaslav is not a good person and he is in charge of WB discovery, right? Like, or whatever that company is called now. Um, and so me supporting anything DC is me supporting him as the head of that multinational omni global megacorp. Mm. Um, but also like there are people at DC whose, you know, I, uh, voices and opinions and stuff I do support. And I want, I mean like, like James Gunn is now, in charge of DC. Right. And like, I want to support the movies that he's going to make. Well, isn't he um, also kind of like the perfect example where he said, yeah, I yeah. said some stuff when I was younger. I tried to, I, I have tried to do better since then. I was wrong to yeah. say those things back then. Bingo. And, uh, right. That's... And, and, and look at what has happened. And this is, this is like, that's, that's exactly the argument against cancel culture as a thing, which is that like, James Gunn was not canceled. He, he, there was a moment there where there was a problem and, and unfortunately um, executives are legally beholden to their shareholders. Mm -hmm. And when shareholders say, do a thing, especially majority shareholders, actions have to happen at a certain point, right? Because like, if I have a, a certain stake in a company, then my voice is legally more important than another person's. Um, but what happened with that is that public sentiment outweighed the voice of the shareholder mm. um, to the degree that ex- the executive management of Disney was then required to reevaluate their decision. Um, and, and so James Gunn got to come back and f- make guardians three. Right. I, and so I think that I, I, I like the, 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 the door swings both ways. Um, so <laughs> I love it when you ter- talk nerdy, then. I, I think that as long as we remember that, that, you know, like sure. a, yeah. a, I think it's very important to remember that we wield a lot of power mm. as consumers. It's important to remember that because when they tell us that they're going to do something and we don't think that that's a good thing, we have the power to change that. It also means when, when, when they, when 
we all decide to destroy somebody's career, we, we can do that. And with great power comes great responsibility. Right. Mm. Um, and not everybody, not everybody respects that fact and not everybody acknowledges that. And I think that you get a lot of people online who think that their Twitter account is just a Twitter account. And so they say whatever they feel like saying, and they don't think that there are any consequences because really there aren't these days. Um, and I, I don't know how we hold people accountable for the things that they post on social media other than the system that prevails, which is really just a, like it is just social responsibility mm. playing itself out. Right. I mean, like, it's just, this, this is the social contract, right? Like that's like, that's what it is in action. Um, and I think what you see when people are, are criticizing cancel culture is you see people who are often afraid of the consequences of their actions. I mean, many of the people who have yeah, come sure. out and said, you know, Oh, this is cancel culture. Oh, we shouldn't do this. It's like, well, what skeletons are in your closet? Cause I will say, I, I, and listen, I don't want anybody to start digging. There are skeletons <laughs> in my closet. There's skeletons in everybody's closets. Everybody, we all yeah. have private lives. We all have things that we've done, things that we've said that we're not, that we're not, proud of um in our lives or things that we just want to keep private um and i don't think that anybody's private life should be like exposed or you know brought to light simply for the fact that you know we don't like them i don't i don't i don't think that that's i don't think that that's a good excuse i i think that that what we need to do is we need to hold people accountable for the things that they do that affect other people's lives right um, so, you know, like uh, to, to that point, like, like who, who you love and how you love them is up to you. As mm -hmm. long as you're not hurting anybody, I like that should never be a thing that I think I, I should be used against somebody. I it's also like kids come into it sometimes. And it's like, I don't think that anybody's children should ever be used against them. Um, in order to change their, their behavior or their opinion. I think that, I think that that's a, I think that that's a, that's a dirty way of doing things. Cause I think that that takes away the agency of those children uh, in the world um, and turns them into tools. Right. I, I, but I do think that like, I do think that as adults, we are responsible for our actions. Mm. Um, and I think when you're a parent, you're responsible for the actions of your kids until they turn 18. So, um, to us, to, to, to certain degrees. Right. But, um, yeah, it, it, I, I just, I, I often look at it as just natural consequence. It, what would happen to me if I were to go into my workplace and behave the way that some of these people have behaved? Yeah, of course. I mean, look, and I, I and I, I think that, that it's, that's clear. I definitely understand. And I agree that there should be consequences, right? It's just yeah. the, the, and I'm, I'm, I'm certainly not disagreeing or anything, but like the thing that I always struggle with is the fact that, okay, well, I don't think anyone kind of like, no matter how crappy they, they are, I think everybody should have basic human rights and like eating and, and, and maybe a large part of that is how capitalism works right now. But, um, yeah. <clears throat> and that's a different problem altogether, but that, that, you know what I mean? Like no matter how crappy someone is, I still think they deserve to have a roof over their head and feed their children. Um, yeah. so, and I, and I, I don't, you know, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I'm, I'm just saying like that shouldn't stop the consequences from happening to anyone. I'm not yeah, saying, I that, don't, you know I don't I mean? think, 
I don't think that you have a right to the profession that you desire. I think, I think like, that's a, like, like that's, that's where that line is. Right. Is that, is that like that person should not be barred from ever holding a job. Right. Right. Because that's going to put them in, in a, in a, in a bad position. I think that like, if Gina Carano wants to be a public figure, she needs to hold herself accountable for the things that she says and does. Mm -hmm. So if the things that she says and does create poor public sentiment, a company like Disney doesn't want to touch her. Sure. Right. And she's responsible for that. If that's the, if that is her chosen profession. So if I want to go into politics, I better behave in a way that is befitting of that career choice. Right. Well, a lot of them don't, but, <laughs> but if yes, I, I agree. So absolutely. In absolutely. World. Right. <laughs> absolutely. If, if I want to be a sex worker, then I actually have a lot more freedom in the things that I can do and say, <laughs> because that is a profession that was considered on the fringe of society. Like for whatever reason, that's not a judgment. I no, don't necessarily no, agree with it. Stating a fact. It's true. <clears throat> yeah. Like, like I absolutely 1000% support sex work as a real and viable profession. If that is like, I, I always go, when it comes to work, I always go back to one of my favorite movies of all time. I uh, is is literally like probably in like my top 20 movies of all time. <laughs> and it's going to be ridiculous. People are going to be like, really? I, uh, the movie robots <laughs> starring Ewan McGregor oh animated film, all Ewan right. McGregor, Robin Williams, <laughs> Mel Brooks. Okay. I love that movie so much. I think it's such a great movie. There is a thing that Mel Brooks's character uh, says in that movie, see a need, fill a need. Okay. So for me okay. like that, we, we live in a capitalist society See a need, fill a need, man. Like, see a need, fill a need. That sex workers see a need, fill a need. Absolutely. If you can make money doing it, then go do it. Like, if if I, it, it goes along the lines of what the Joker says in in The Dark Knight. If you if you do something well, never do it for free. Yeah. I I, which is another one of my like these are like those two things are like as a creative, those are my mantras, which is like polar opposites <laughs> coming from polar opposite ends of the the narrative spectrum, but. But I believe in both of those things vehemently because we live in a capitalist world and there's no such thing as ethical consumption under capitalism. It's impossible. Um, I mean, like the clothes that you are wearing only exist because other people are subjugated and and and, uh, you know, like like that's just it is an unfortunate consequence of the system under which you and I happen to have a lot of privilege and thrive. It, it, it sucks. It sucks. So like, I think you got there on your own, but just to put a finer point on it, your problem with cancel culture is not cancel culture or natural consequences or morality. It, none of that is, is what you're taking issue with your conflict. And the reason why you're having a conflict with it and trying to figure out where you stand on this stuff, your conflict is with capitalism, right? <laughs> I guess so. <laughs> it certainly feels that way. And I think that a lot of the time that is actually what we're running up against is that mm-hmm. we have, we have problems with society, but it is actually not, um, I think from the left-wing perspective, which I think you and I are both on the left-leaning side mm. of things, I, our problems with society end up boiling down to capitalism. 
and consumerism as as all like like to put an even finer point on it to 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 drill down into capitalism even more it's the it is it is it is the consumerist ideology that we live under in north america that um what's the next thing that i'm going to buy um and where am i going to get that money from that is that's really the problem mm-hmm. um if we were all flourishing under a universal basic income which hopefully for you guys in your next election is a talking point i think up here in canada it's going to be a very major talking point of our next federal election i for those who don't know universal basic income is basically like everybody gets money (laughs) we all pay into our taxes and then that is equally distributed to everybody universally okay I, I, so uh, there's another one. I can't remember what the other one is, but the other one is like a, it's a needs based thing. So it's like a, you hit a threshold, you make a certain amount of money at your job and you're no longer part of the program, but it's to make sure that nobody drops below the poverty line, which is also a good way of doing it. It might be a happy medium that, um, that, that works as well. But I think that the best way to, to, to move forward as a society and get closer to Star Trek utopia is a universal basic income, which, which is everybody getting. So up here, what they're pushing for is everybody gets 2,500 a month at least. Um, and I don't know if it's just adults. I don't know. I don't know what that breakdown is like, because in this household, there's four people in this house. If, if we got four people got $2,500 a month (laughs) in this house, like, I no, I no longer have to go look for a job. I can now do what I want to do, right? It gets rid of this problem, right? Of what you're talking about, this cancel culture thing. It really like literally removes this issue because it doesn't matter what your opinions are. It doesn't matter that you're a bigot. You still get this money. You get to, you still, you can still survive. You can eat, you can pay. So now, Hey, guess what you can do now? Now you can devote yourself to, making the world a better place. Now, everybody's going to have a different idea of what that looks like. But if more people are able to devote themselves to that, I think if we're able to no longer have to worry about where our food is coming from, we can turn around and we can look inwards. We can go to therapy. We can uh, we can get back to having conversations with one another in in meaningful ways to understand the perspective of the human being across from us. But conservatism, which is the right wing ideology, relies on scarcity. It has to. It's in the word. Hmm. Conservatism yeah. is conserving. It is an ideology that requires scarcity in order for it to function and it's why you're going to see right-wing politicians fight against this um because what they want to do and bring this back into star wars what palpatine wants is he wants everybody in a place of fear right and we see we see palpatine as evil i should hope that we all agree on this hmm. he created a system in which he controlled the flow of everything right this is what bad batch is about is that like we see it in that first season that everybody's got to register their identities. They have to, uh, uh, you know, travel is restricted. Um, uh, commerce is restricted. And when all of that happens, the idea is that someone who knows better should be put in charge. And then if everybody doesn't agree with them, they should be made to. That's what Anakin says. Right. Mm-hmm. And Padme's like, that's not right. 
that's what Palpatine does, right? And that's the irony of that scene is that like Anakin is like, I don't know, there's just somebody wise, right? And and that's Palpatine sees himself as that. <clears throat> the whole the the only way that, that 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 is able to work is if everybody is put into a place of survival, right? And this is what we've seen over the last 40 years since the eighties is that it's just gotten worse and worse and worse. And we are all of us put being pushed more and more into this mode of survival. And what that ends up doing is it ends up pitting us against each other. So it's, I think a lot of the, the fight that we're talking about this, these, these moral fights, they are boiled down to, you've got something that I want. I have something that you want now then we're going to fight over it instead of if we were all in a place where everybody is taken care of which is entirely possible under capitalism and with people maintaining their lifestyles i mean like elon musk doesn't have to change a thing about the way that he lives as a matter of fact elon musk could fund universal basic income in the united states probably for the next decade and it wouldn't affect his bottom line He's got so much money. He's yeah. it's in the trillions, I mean, it's right? Like, but... it's astronomical. Like it, it, these these are numbers that we can't even comprehend because it would take it would take billions of dollars every year in order to do that. It's harder for you guys. You guys have such a big country. It's very very difficult for you guys to get to get on this. Canada, as much as we have a very large landmass in terms of population, and and how much of that landmass is, is actually like inhabited by people, it's very it's very small. Um, so it's easier for us to do it. And it's obviously easier for European countries to do it because they're so um, uh, uh, broken up into these into these little segments. Right. So smaller government is able to achieve these things at, at a much faster pace. Mm. But the amount of money that comes out of North America, there is absolutely economically the ability to do it. It just requires taxation. It requires appropriate reasonable taxation of people who are making billions and trillions of dollars um, so that everybody can live in a place where, where they are, there is no poverty, right? If everybody's got this, everybody has the other part of this is, you know, access to, to healthcare access to um, and healthcare being expanded, not just to, you know, emergent medical care, but also to dental care and, and uh, mental health which is a problem that we have up here um, is that dental health is not as covered as like, say, I mean, if you break a leg in Canada, it doesn't cost you anything. You go to the hospital, they fix it. That must be nice. It doesn't, it doesn't cost anything. Right. We do, we do have like, we do pay things. We do pay like, so, you know, there's, there is like a, a medical system that we have to pay into, but, and it is needs based. So if you make more money, you pay more into it. Mm. Um, and if you're below a certain threshold, you don't have to pay for it at all. But, um, and taxes go into it and everything like that. But that's like, that's how socialism works. And it, and it's very good. It's a very good system, um, to not have to worry about being sick. I, I, it's not having to worry about where your money is coming from to, to keep a roof over your head, um, to keep your vehicle on the road, uh, or whatever transportation you want to use, if you're going to use rapid transit to be able to pay for that. Um, and, uh, and to be able to keep yourself fed, right? Like, like I think like those, those, and I guess clothing as well as another one of those, these are, those are the four basic needs, right? If those are covered, 
then everybody just gets to not do what they want, but like be productive in the way that they can be mm. to their level. Right. To like, and, 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 and when that happens, then I think so many of these other problems dissipate, they don't go away, but, but they certainly are not the, um, the mountains that have been made out of molehills sure. that a lot of these are. So I don't know, man, like, this this got real off topic real quick. I'm sorry. Oh, super off topic. But that's a <laughs> but that's listen, that is what differentiates Thunderquack from sure. other types of podcasts. So anyway, so, Star Wars Outlaws looks great. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think I think we all agree that Star Wars Can't Outlaws wait. looks great. Um listen, listen, listen. There are some problems with Ubisoft. Oh man. <laughs> we like that company is not run in the best way and people are like crunch and stuff like that. Like it's not and layoffs and you know, it's, there is no, there's not, but all the best you can do is the best you can do. Mm. I, and, and so, like I said, like, I don't, I don't want to hold anybody, um, you know, liable for the purchases that they're making because most of us are just trying to get through the day. I I don't know if I said this on one of the star Wars podcasts or I said it on one of the other ones, but um, it is my, it is my firm belief that most people. And I, when I say most 99% of human beings on this planet are good people that are just trying to do the right thing. Um, and that the, there is, there is 1% of humanity that is truly evil that knows that what they are doing is wrong and they do it anyways for the love of wealth and power. Right. And that's evil. Um, or they, or they just straight up want to see people suffer Mm -hmm. because that also exists in the world, but it is such, such a small margin of humanity. Um, the majority of people are literally trying to do the right thing. The problem is that that 1% does hold all of that wealth and power. And, and it is a not insignificant number of people, even though it is a low percentage and that number of people are able to manipulate a good portion of decent human beings Mm. into doing things that are actually, actually against their own morality. Um, when you get down to it, I mean, like, like so many of the people that I have disagreements with on a, from a moral standing, they do not actively want to see people suffer. They simply have some very, very misplaced ideologies that mostly are the result of, of, of manipulation or abuse. Like it's like, it like, that's really what it boils down to. So, so, you know, we've talked in the past about having empathy and, and to me, like, that's like, that is where that comes from for me is like, this is about having empathy. These are Jedi philosophies. As far as I'm concerned is, is, you know, what Obi-Wan says in return of the Jedi, many of the truths we cling to great depend greatly on our own point of view. Mm. That is him expressing an ideology of empathy um although he's kind of manipulating luke a little bit when he says it but (laughs) but it but but the core of it where obi-wan is coming from and the core of that is 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 a is a core ideology of empathy of 
understanding, seeking to understand where another person is coming from. Um, and that, that when he said those things to Luke, he did not say them with malicious intent, but instead in trying to shelter Luke, save Luke from a difficult truth. Right. Um, which I think goes to my point. Like, I think that, I think that a lot of the ideologies that people grow up with, um, they are coming from places that, I uh, are not there. There's not ill intent, you know, like, I think, I don't think that fundamental Christianity, uh, I, we're a product of our environment, right? <clears throat> yeah. I, I, I think that those fundamentalist ideologies have come out of, people trying to do the right thing. They are unfortunately looking at a, you know, two to 5,000 year old text and, and misinterpreting some of the things that are written in there mm. um, and not using critical thinking because they've not been taught critical I, thinking. I think a lot of that is you also know. the people who are in positions of power of that yep. use that. Like that's like you said, it's, they use that manipulation yeah. uh, to kind of, uh, I mean, really, what's the one of the biggest motivators in anyone's life is fear, right? Yeah. So people are afraid. And here's this person who is in a position of power who seems to have all the answers. Oh, OK. That's kind of how like cults happen. Yeah. So. Well, and George, George, George's narrative, the one that he created, and this is where the sequels fall so short. This is why they fall short. This is why they don't resonate. This is why you have a problem with them. Because as bad as the prequels can be at times, narratively, what George is drawing on is true and real, mm. right? Um, and so, like, you can look at Star Wars, and it is such a clear analogy for everything that we just talked about in this last 45 minutes. Palpatine is one man. He is one man in a galaxy of trillions probably right like <clears throat> looking at all of the planets and the inhabitants of those planets i mean trillions qu quintillions maybe i don't know right like he is he is one single man that decides the fate and outcome of an entire galaxy and creates a system under which evil is able to flourish not because those men are necessarily evil. How many stories do we have in star Wars of defectors who, when they are pushed to a certain point, realize actually it's the empire that's evil. The, these are the bad guys, right? And eventually the whole galaxy comes to wake up to it. But, but one of the great things that's been in the Mandoverse that I think that has been resonant is this idea that the people with wealth and power are actually reluctant to change that structure. That's the new Republic is just a new empire, right? For the, for the majority of those rich people, it stays exactly the same. You like that. And that is all springing out of George's narrative in the prequels, which is laid by the groundwork in, in the original trilogy of what the Senate was and what Palpatine as an emperor did to the Republic. Right. It's, it is, it is all there in the subtext of the original trilogy. And then he just makes it the text in the prequels. Um, and that is very, very good storytelling in the prequels because like it, it just it really shows us what the pitfall of giving that much power to one person is. Um, 
and if especially if that one person turns out to be evil <laughs> which they probably will because that's why they went after that power in the first place right. because most pe- most decent people don't seek out that much authority most decent people look at that authority and go not me not me i don't i'm not the person we have humility right most of us have the humility to say when we're presented with positions of power and authority we go ooh that's actually kind of scary like it's scary to have that much that much responsibility right i think that's that's how most of us react to that sort of thing but then those people who are mostly sociopaths um they uh yeah i mean like it's like to be president of the united states you have to be an egomaniac mm. you have to you have to because you have to be willing to say i have what it takes to be responsible for how many how many people are in the united states i whatever your population is like this many million billion people um i am i am smart enough and good enough to be responsible for the decision making that is going to affect these people's lives Mm. right you have to be an egomaniac in order to do it um and so it's just a matter of like picking the the least harmful egomaniac possible and we see what happens when when that doesn't when that's not the choice because uh, that most that that most recent example on the republican side he is the opposite of that he is what happens when you pick the most harmful egomaniac possible on purpose so oh yeah jesus i uh, star wars <laughs> yeah you know for an episode where we didn't have a lot to talk about we sure had a lot to talk about two hours and 14 minutes yeah um and and we talked very little about actual star wars Oops. but whenever this happens whenever we end up going off on one of these types of episodes and listen i know that there are people that tuned out they stopped listening a long time ago and uh, and probably won't be back and I am at the point in my podcasting career where I'm like, okay, that's not like, like this is the reason I engage with star Wars is because these things that we just talked about are important to me. And I think that star Wars at its core has this stuff, right. Um, as, as, as allegory, it's, it is, I think nine times out of 10 in the right place. Um, and the stories that I love in particular are are coming from that from that correct perspective. Now there are missteps and there's all sorts of misogyny and and uh, uh, lack of inclusivity and stuff like that that happens. But I think that they happen out of negligence and not out of malice, um, which is which is different. So, uh, you know, I I I. Star Wars is an instance where I can often take the good with the bad. A lot of this came out of us talking about, um, about eclipse and, and that. So I, I think that that's a, like, that's a really, I, I important thing to sort of like reflect back on. Mm. It's like, like, you know, I, the intent of star Wars, I think, and that's, I think that's where people have the disconnect with eclipse and with David cage being a part of a high Republic video game. Does he have the technical skill to bring that to fruition? Absolutely. Is like in terms of running like his studio and, 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 and what that studio does. Absolutely. From an intent place. It's like, what is the intent of the high Republic? And does that match up with David Cage's intent in telling stories? I don't know. Right. 
So that's what, that's what this comes back to. And that's what like my intent with podcasting is for us to start from a place of these nerdy things that we all love, but to end in the place that we're ending in today, which is hopefully a place where, um, you know, I think, I think I have equipped you better to go out into the world and be a better person. Um, I, with what I'm going to go out and do worse now. (laughs) (laughs) Um, but it also, it also then like reinforces my positions and, and, and me having to examine that stuff myself then puts me in a, a place of having to reflect of like, like, um, am I, am I coming at this from the right position as well? Right. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, cause in the past, I think that I've been along more along the lines of like, burn it all down. Um, yeah, you know, you, you're a bigot. I like, like anybody who supports you is also a bigot. Right. Like, I think that I, I have, I have in the past espoused that sort of ideology, but the more that I talk about it and the more that I think about it, it's like, it doesn't help anybody. Right. That doesn't that yeah. doesn't move the needle. The thing yeah. that moves the needle is genuine conversation where you and I can say, you know, have the have the grace to say the wrong thing and and uh, um, and to work that out together. I think asking questions are, is, is kind of the yeah the most important part. Right. Because like I. Yeah. I know I know that I'm coming from a place of not knowing the answers, so it's it's weird that so many people won't admit to themselves they don't have the answers they just you know they have their own little little experience in their box their own little world and make very big judgments on things that they have little to no experience in and mm-hmm. just decide yeah that's how it is cuz that's how it is for me so you know <clears throat> It's odd yeah. that it's odd to me that people can be in a position where they are in just denial that anyone's experience can be different from theirs, and then just like, oh yeah, that that's it. That's yeah. They've this, well, they've decided that's the way the world is, so that's the way the world is. And at the end, it, of the and you said it before. It's it's it comes down to fear, right? And and yeah. again, like this is where like people consider some of this stuff hokey. But I consider it some of George's best writing. Fear leads to anger. Anger leads to hate. Mm. Hate leads to suffering. And like that path could not be more clear. Um, and what he is saying in those moments, it, like it could not be more clear to me. Um, and it's where like what Rose says in in The Last Jedi feels because I know that so so many people have so many problems with that storyline. And feel like that's the weakest part of the last Jedi. But for me, like upon more and more and more introspection and, and reflection on that movie, that to me is actually the core of that movie. And it's the most star Wars thing about it is Rose's storyline. And like when she says, that's how we're going to win, not by fighting what we hate, but saving what we love. That is such a George ideology. And Ryan gets that like ryan johnson just gets that and so i mean like it's it is he he i love it when a movie states the the thesis right like uh, like that to me like that is if a movie can do that can clearly state its thesis somewhere in the film um that's 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 a well-made movie right so I have my issues with that thesis, <clears throat> but I will let's sure let, I'm going to, I'm going to hold it until I read the book yeah. and then read we, the book. We're we going to come back and when you're done the book. Talk, we're going to do an episode sure. and it's going to be another sure. two hour and 20 minute episode. 
we'll keep going because you and I just will yeah. just keep talking to each other about this stuff yeah. if we don't cut it off here. We were going to also talk about um, the the Ray movie going into production. It's going into production. They're going to make it. We will talk ad nauseum <laughs> about this movie. It's going to be a Ray movie. As we, as we get more. Um, yeah. So, you know, I'm hopeful. I'm hopeful. She said some stuff recently. I'm hopeful. And I'm going to stay that way. And I'm not going to let anybody bring me down on it. I'm hopeful. I will say this. If I haven't said it before to you, as as much of a rainy cloud as I am on the sequel trilogy, I want the Ray, Ray movie to be good. I have not written it off because I don't like the sequel trilogy. I want to. I really want to like the Ray movie. So I am excited that yeah. they're making it. I think it's I th- I think it'll be good. I think it'll be good. Um, I hope I my hope for it is that it can it can please as many people as possible. It's not going to please everybody because it is going to be a movie centered around Ray. I mean, that's so Star Wars. You're already as a whole yeah. for the last yeah. since 77, <clears throat> right? Every every Star Wars movie loses people and gains people. Yeah. Every Star Wars, everything loses people and gains people. It's true. So whatever. All right. Well, on that note. <laughs> Uh, awesome. Uh, thank you, Joe, for uh, this incredibly uh, tangent filled and um, but I think I think very worthwhile episode of uh, Force Perspectives. I uh, listen. It's in the title. OK, Perspective. Uh, <laughs> I thank you guys for listening. If you listened all the way through this, all two and almost a half hours of us talking about this and at times rambling about uh, morality, um, <laughs> then thank you so much. I, uh, if, if you want to get episodes like this early, uh, you can do that by heading over to patreoncom slash thunderquack and, uh, and supporting us over there. You'll also get a bunch of other awesome stuff. You'll get, um, you'll get early episodes of, of, uh, perfect 10. You will also get, uh, the companion show to perfect 10, the perfect 10 pop quiz, which is a trivia show. That, uh, that that our friend Tim Dipple does over there, um, which is a lot of fun. Uh, and uh, and you'll also get you'll get uh, uh, whatever this other podcast we're doing, the Thunder Quack podcast after the fact, whatever it's called. Um, you'll get those episodes early as well. And you get exclusive episodes if you if you enjoyed me talking at length because I think Joe talked for a sum total of thirty minutes on this episode maybe even more than that. ever though I would argue <laughs> yeah I I if you list, enjoyed listening to me talk for almost two hours straight um, I do a podcast an exclusive podcast that's just for Patreon supporters called Off the Record um, that I I I was previously coming out every other week but now we'll be coming out once a month. Um, cause we're doing that other thunder quack podcast thing. Um, but I, I, that's, that is also like, that's an exclusive to Patreon supporters. So, um, five bucks a month gets you all of that. And I, but I would suggest if you're going to do it to do an annual subscription, cause then I think it's like, I don't know if it's 10 or 12% off. There's some percentage off. I did whatever the default was for Patreon. Um, but you get a percentage off. Uh, and so you'll actually, you pay less per month um if you do it annually is there well i mean obviously uh too late now is there ever a black friday deal for that kind of stuff or no no there's not but you know like uh, that's not that's not a bad idea um uh, what i will say is that we're coming up on our anniversary of launching thunderquack which thunderquack was the launch of the patreon yeah so um 
when we do that in January, I we've kind of glossed over it in the past. Um, it's it's not really been something that we've like acknowledged or celebrated, but this year I think I want to do something. And when we do that, um, what it'll probably be in the form of is kind of a pledge drive. Uh, to get people to go over to patreon and support us on patreon and so i think in the month of january i have to i have to kind of work it out with everybody who's doing podcasts on the network and see what we can put together over the course of the next few weeks because i know everybody's busy around christmas but um not necessarily having to have it all produced but like like i think what i want to do is is we'll do a day like i i maybe like a live stream or something like that um where we talk about sort of our plans for 2025 2024 and um and there will be some like there will be some like stretch goals in there of like if we can get so many people then we'll then then you know we'll deliver these things right so like like a bonus episode of force perspectives on a specific topic or something like that um and just like you know some additional content that'll be exclusive for patreon supporters um so that is something that i'm sort of noodling with right now and and so yeah make sure that you're following us on all the social media accounts and stuff so that you can hear about that stuff when it happens but um that'll be in january when we do that so so there might be some i don't know there might be some like promotional pricing and stuff like that that i do as a part of that we'll look at it we'll look at it and see what what uh what makes sense um at that point but yeah cool Cool. I uh, cool. So yeah, uh, support us on Patreon. It's awesome if you do. I I and now that, uh, it now really, that we really just helps. said there might be a discount soon. <laughs> hey, you know, wait till January. It'll be a. It'll. I think what it'll end up being is it'll because I for people who are already supporting, it's like, well, if you like, increase your pledge or you know okay, do cool. uh, there i don't know i have to look at it logistically of like what makes sense mm-hmm. and what is possible to do through patreon um i uh, because we kind of we kind of have a one tier system now we don't really have okay. multiple tiers i uh, it's kind of like five bucks gets you everything oh, nice. in perpetuity because okay. i kind of i was like the like having to manage the different tiers and stuff like that and like the thing that drove me nuts is that like if you're paying more money you got certain things and it's like but there are less people paying that amount of money but it takes the same amount of work to produce it so like everybody should get it because i want as many people to listen to the content as possible right so it made no sense to me of like we were gating off some of our best stuff like like the pop quiz Mm -hmm. at like a higher level and it's like so people weren't getting to listen to that that didn't seem right to me so so we got rid of the one dollar and we got rid of the ten and twenty dollar and just left it at the five bucks so like every if everybody just supports at the five dollar level it it'll even out but everybody gets access to all the content right so um yeah cool now we're like on a on a tangent about (laughs) thunderquack stuff i i thank you guys for listening thank you for supporting thank you joe for giving me two and a half hours out of your day always uh yeah and uh and we will see you guys on the next episode thank you for listening to thunder quack force perspectives our opening theme is composed for us by christy carew follow force perspectives on twitter instagram and facebook at force pov and join us on Discord at thunderquack.com slash Discord.
Support the show by visiting us at patreon.com thunderquack to get early access to episodes, leave a rating and review on your favorite podcast service, or buy merch at store.thunderquack.com. Force Perspectives is a part of the Thunderquack Podcast Network.